Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Greetings, constant listeners. It's Gen 2, The Rage Adams. Today we're unlocking an older Patreon-exclusive episode from the Dairy Private Library. This one dates back to last October and finds the losers celebrating the Festival of Samhain by naming 10 Stephen King titles everyone should pull off their bookshelves come spooky season. Joining the losers for this essential Halloween special is actress, writer, filmmaker, and podcast host Julia Marchese. And look, if you enjoy a screwball episode, episode like this, you can get even more of them by joining our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the Barons. There you can find hours and hours of exclusive content we haven't unlocked yet. For now, though, enjoy this episode and I'll be seeing you over long days and pleasant nights. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too and I'll be right there. Behind you Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome to a spooktacular episode of The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. I'm your host for today, Michael Monroeville Mall Rothman, and I hope you've brought a backpack or maybe even a big old garbage bag because we're going trick-or-treating in King's Dominion. Uh, today, we're going to celebrate the festival of Sam Hain, also known as All Hallows' Eve, or as John Carpenter calls it, Halloween. <laughs> uh, because we're going to be discussing our favorite master of horror, the one and only Arl Stein. No, 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 I'm just joking. That was a fun little Halloween trick on you. No, no, no. We're going to be talking about Stephen King and what stories of his we should be pulling off the bookshelves around this time of the year. Uh, because as we learned in our research, uh, this guy really hasn't written a true blue Halloween story. Uh, but the good news is, I don't know if you know this, but he's written like over hundreds of and hundreds of scary stories that can easily be carved into a jack-o'-lantern, which is exactly what your losers are going to do today. So before we throw on the Monster Mash and head to the stacks, let's meet our fellow ghouls and gals joining me on today's episode. Out there in Atlanta, can you hear me? Me, 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 me. This is Dan Smacab Caffrey. <laughs> oh my I God, I don't know good. why. I don't know why I haven't done that yet. Um, uh, I guess we're not really we're not saying our relationship with the work because we don't want to spoil what the stories are yet, right? No, no, we don't want to. But I, I would like to know, uh, you know, what has been your favorite thing about Halloween this year? Like when you look back on this this year of Halloween, like what's what's the image that you're going to have? It's tough because I feel like we're. I mean, we always live it up around Halloween, but I feel like even more so this year, just because everything else is canceled and and horrible and everything. So I've you know what though, I've really just enjoyed. We just moved to Atlanta a few months ago. And the neighborhood where in Grant Park, Summerhill, just really has top tier Halloween game when it comes to decorations. Yeah. So I've really just liked, you know, walking our dog and 
taking pictures, putting them on Instagram. There's a Halloween decorating contest in my neighborhood for not for us because it's just for homeowners, but um, my neighbor Trenton did all these baby dolls that he disemboweled and just made this really freaky homemade uh, Halloween display. And he won the contest, which I was really happy about. Um, oh yeah, my God, so I, I think, love it. Yeah, just walking around seeing Halloween decorations. There's a big fountain near our house that uh, I guess the park district um, decorated with like skeletons climbing up it. I feel like I'm seeing a lot of skeletons this year, at least yes, in our neighborhood. I don't so know if, many. if y'all feel the same way. Maybe it's because there's so many real skeletons being created. In that's the world true. By, that is true. Very, disease, very but, sad uh, no, truth yeah. of our, our world that we live in right now. Um, <laughs> it, it is weird though because I <laughs> think meta. that like like so Home Depot did those giant skeletons yes. this year, and they've been like so popular. But it, it is weird. Like here in Chicago, it's the same way. Like I walked around my neighborhood, and there's one that I posted Aww. the other day on Instagram that was like um, <laughs> this one skeleton like climbing up a tree with like dog skeletons below like barking and trying to get <laughs> yeah. at it. I thought that was really clever. The but, animal like, skeletons are great. I love all the different animal skeletons. Maybe it's just because people are home more, so they mm-hmm. they just had. I mean, people are bored. They have more time to do it. I don't know, but it's mm-hmm. I've I've really I feel like Halloween has not had a damper put on it yet, no. or at least the spooky season. I don't know what trick or treating will look like, but. I actually feel like I'm feeling Halloween even more so this year than years past, which I'm very thankful for. Sam, and you know, I can probably answer the skeleton question just because uh, fellow loser Mackenzie Gerber, uh, who's not on this episode, but he has a friend, uh, a skeleton friend that he (laughs) uh, likes to take photos with all the time in his house. So maybe it's one of those things. It's like, you know, you need pandemic bunnies and uh, why not get a skeleton, a fake skeleton to, to, you know, to keep your company and all. So, uh, I mean, he's had it for, I think like five or six years. It's been a member of the losers club for a very long time, uh, has appeared in many photos of ours. Uh, I think once you get it, it's going to be part of the family. So, um, I kind of wish I would have gotten a skeleton now. And I think they sell one at like (laughs) CVS, but yeah, you're right. That, that seems to be the trend, uh, for, for 2020. Uh, well, uh, Let's 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 get let's get out of Atlanta. Even though I'd like to stick around because they're filming Stranger Things four right now. Uh, and I are they been, filming uh, that here? Uh-huh, oh yeah, be, they're filming that there. Be. And my boy Steve Harrington's running around with yeah. uh, with uh, my pal uh, Dustin. So wonder if I, our, I, I, our I know what's Josh, going on. Josh Michael you know. will get into Stranger Things four. Maybe he is, and I don't I don't know because I, I hope he, he is. Be good in it. I, He'd be a good a good scumbag in that. It'd be in, great. It's gonna be season. a big season. And uh, unfortunately, Natalie Dyer uh, said uh, that we're a long ways off. For, from it, which was uh, it's a, a poor Halloween uh, trick on me. Uh, but let's uh, <laughs> let's get in the car, uh, the station wagon, maybe uh, the Will Byer station wagon, uh, <laughs> and uh, head on out to Nashville. Uh, who's out there in Nashville? Hey, this is Jen to the Rage Adams, and uh, yeah, we're having. I'm seeing a lot of decorations out here too. Um, not as much like my neighborhood is. I guess they decorate a little bit. Um, not as much as the pictures I've seen you guys post, though. Those look amazing, and I'm so jealous. Um, <laughs> but I have been Halloween contenting out, like mm-hmm. especially since I'm working from home and I can just like watch old movies all day long. And like, so I've been watching a lot of stuff, and I've been ironically listening to a lot of short stories because um, that's kind of one of my favorite things to do on Halloween. Um, and some of the ones we're going to talk about, that's like my tradition. When I used to have a commute, I would just pick a, a Stephen King short story and listen to it. Um, and it's just fun little, it's almost like an anthology, I think, mm-hmm. to like read short stories. So that's kind of, and we carved some jack-o'-lanterns and that was fun. So. Oh, yeah. No, nice. I mean, the short stories is really key. I, I used to read mm-hmm. uh, The Halloween Tree every year. And then this year it just got too busy, so I haven't been able to do it. But um, I do like having the tradition of like going back into script, the, the scripture 
of mm-hmm. the spooky scripture <laughs> uh, and, and finding stories that you can kind of enjoy. Um, Christopher it, Pike, three fifteen. Yeah, you know, it just <laughs> my, my my guy uh, Alvin Schwartz, uh, who mm-hmm. uh, gives oh, me yeah, some yeah. real nice uh, bite sized stuff to go with my bite sized candy. But uh, yeah, well, that sounds fun, and I know that you uh, you've probably watched at least like fifty or sixty horror movies over the last uh, two weeks. Uh, yeah, yeah, and a lot of supernatural as well. <laughs> so much supernatural, and we're going to be talking about supernatural next month when. Uh, Winchester boys, uh, the ride is over. So um, very sad and very excited, but I'm not crying yet. I'm going to save the tears for November. <laughs> um, I'm also going to save the tears because I don't want my makeup to run because I'm going to the glitz and glam <laughs> nice. of Hollywood, California, because we're meeting a special guest. Who's out there? Um, hello, uh, this is Julia. It's only a movie, Marquesi. <gasps> oh, um, nice, <laughs> nice. I am, and I am here, yes, in Hollywood, California, steps away from Grauman's Chinese Theater. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Now, what does that actually look like now during the pandemic? I, I'm interested to see what like downtown Hollywood looks like. In these, uh, it's pretty empty, yeah. you know, you can't really, you, you can't go in and put your hands in the handprints right now because they don't want people doing that for oh, germ reasons, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm just a little bit sad because I, I live in this particular area because I can walk to five different movie theaters and now the movie theaters are closed. Mm. So at this moment it makes no, it makes no difference, but I, I, I cannot wait for them to open again. That's what, that's what I'm waiting for here, uh, in 2020. Have you gone to now? One of the things I'm jealous about is getting I get press releases day in day out, and I have seen so many fun things that are happening around Los Angeles right now. Like they just had Beyond Fest. I know Joe Bob just did his, uh, his drive-in somewhere mm-hmm. around outside of LA. Uh, there's like a Stranger Things drive-in pop-up thing. Also, have you been able right. to go to any of these things uh, this month? Um, so I went to the drive-in, and um, it's a little bit. So I live by myself, so it's been very like isolating and then I re- I'd never been to a drive-in by myself and then I went to the drive-in and then it was really sad because I was surrounded by all these cars full of people and yet I was sitting in my car like totally by myself and I was like oh now I feel even worse <laughs> so, <laughs> I think if you were going to those things with other people it would be a blast I think by your and I go by like if at two regular movies by myself all the oh, time totally but you're, love it. but you're sitting in an audience with you know other people right so you mm-hmm. can hear them or feel them or whatever but then like if you're just in the capsule of your car by yourself it's a whole different follow wax oh yeah Caffrey you could relate I mean I remember you, didn't you go see Possessor alone in Atlanta <laughs> yeah, I, I saw a double feature at the dr- the Starlet Drive-In here Possessor and The Wolf of Snow Hollow y- you know what though I enjoyed it and I think it's to Julia's point I think it's because my wife and I had gone several times you know before that and and she wasn't really feeling Possessor I don't think and so I, I, I just really went into it prepped that it was going to be a solo outing and, and I had a really good time that being said I got to the drive-in like really early, like forty-five minutes. I was the only car there. <laughs> I just, I, I felt kind of scared and sad and like a loser for a little bit. But then, then other cars showed up. Um, yeah, so it was, it was super fun. But I think it's because I, I had already done it with, you know, with other people. Yeah, yeah. Well, Julia, you've been very busy because uh, you're hard at work trying to get one of King's stories made into a movie that we could it's, actually maybe see at the drive-in. Woo-hoo. So do you want to, <laughs> what's the latest on uh, I Know What You Need? Because uh, I, I, you know, this has been such an exciting campaign to watch unfold. Um, Thank and, you. And I'd love to know um, how our listeners can help. Oh, thanks. Okay. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so I have a dollar baby contract for I Know What You nice. Need, that's so uh, which cool. is my know, favorite. Awesome. It's my very favorite story by Stephen King. So I'm thrilled. Um, and, and honestly, everyone's been asking how you get a dollar baby 
contract and mm-hmm. you just go on his website you go to stephenking.com there's a dollar baby tab and you click on it and it shows you the stories that are available to uh adapt and you just send a there's like an email thing right there on the page and you just send an email it's super super easy wow. um oh, so and awesome. it isn't that crazy like it's mm-hmm. just there it is you know but the, so the contract is that you have to uh it's a dollar for one year and you have to send stephen king a dollar and uh, you you really do and you get uh it's 45 minutes or under and it has to be non-profit non-broadcast so it actually can't be screened publicly but it can be screened at film festivals and private links and stuff like that interesting okay yeah because our our buddy uh bill hansen billy hansen um he just published a book called spider season but before that he was doing um a bunch of uh, short films i think he still is but uh he actually he was in the dollar baby program for um uh survivor type um, oh wow that'd be a crazy one to do yeah yeah it's so, good he, it's as gory as you think it would be too it's, it is okay. very gory yeah um, um but so what did, did were you just totally stoked when you pulled down the menu and you saw that your favorite story is on there um yeah well my uh it's not on there actually um, oh interesting okay okay I, I asked i asked off market and oh wow um, yeah and i i got it so the, so that was like the craziest thing is I kind of, I asked with like the expectation they would say no, mm-hmm. but then they said yes. And then I was like, oh no, now I have to make this. Oh my God. And it was just like this, like, so like that was super exciting. And then the cherry on top is that I contacted the University of Maine where Stephen King went and where this story takes place because he wrote it in 1976. Um, they are allowing me to film on campus. So, so cool. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it means that cool. this will be, the, sh- the film will be shot in the exact locations that he talks about in the story. Oh man, that Gosh. is wild. That's so cool. I know. So, so awesome. it's, it's like constant reader dream come true. So mm-hmm. it, and going, you know, going to Maine and shooting it there. Cause I feel like you, Stephen King has to be in Maine really. Like that's part yeah. of who he is. I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Uh, and I, I just tweeted the other day about how I really wish that more movies could actually go to where they're, actual locations were i it started because i was watching a fall movies uh, jumanji uh and not like i'm like looking at the source material and be like oh they better shoot in a new england town but like they did shoot in a new england town and it really like helps with the environment and um of the scene in the movie and like the aesthetics and everything and i was thinking about it even more the next day when i was watching like thinner and you know and, and i love thinner I, I i think it's actually a more superior movie than the book but like one of the things i love about it is that it really does capture the stephen king feel and i think a lot of that is largely attributed to um not only just the the tone that tom holland captures but the actual setting like i think you really mm-hmm. do need to shoot there like i think there is a quality of new england that you can't get in like vancouver or in a in anywhere really i mean it's so intrinsic to that area so i love that honestly is that hooked me so much uh, to your, your program there because I, I think it's so fucking cool and I think it's so awesome and such a, a treat to be able to do that you know um, yes thank you I am I am so delighted and uh, so the the campaign itself so I ran an Indiegogo campaign the campaign itself is over uh, but I'm still accepting donations which you can contact me about on my social media uh, to get this made because it's I didn't make the full funding but it's I knew going into it I'm in a pandemic I've been like right before the election of course yeah. things are insane mm-hmm. so I'm expecting what I'm expecting but the the support behind it was amazing and especially the constant readers who really got on board and were really behind me like that more than anything means so much to me because that's the that's the crowd that I'm yeah. going for right like I want to be yeah. I'm one of you and I want you to accept me as one of you and and I was <laughs> so that made me feel really nice it's such a cool 
fan base and it's over the last few years was really been such an escape it's it's interesting that we're doing this um four years later uh because this podcast really did start after the election of 2016 because it was kind of Mm -hmm. us as being like all right we got to have an escape and it was already an awesome thing to be with friends and talking about Stephen King. But then when we actually got connected with all the constant listeners and the constant readers, it was just, it's the most enlivening experience I've ever had in my life. And that's not hyperbole. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just so nice. Like it's, it's such a great fan base and it's, it's not toxic in any way. Um, in which so many fan bases can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the support is just outrageous. And um, so, you know, I'm, I love the fact that people have been rallying around this because I think this is going to be, such a cool movie and such a cool um, uh, story to adapt, especially right now, which we'll go into soon. Hey, spoiler alert. Um, the story's on this list. So, um, but because I didn't want to dip too much into it, but uh, I do think it's a very important story for uh, oh, yeah. for today. Um, but I did have a question. So, when it, you could, are you, you're, you said you're going to keep it to the time period, right? Yes. So, so um, it will be set in 1976. So very cool. cool. So cool. <laughs> Uh, I, I think it, it has to, I think it has to be though uh-huh. just for na- just for narrative reasons mm-hmm. like, yeah. it, it would change the entire story if it was set in 2020 yeah. uh, or the future you know not during pandemic but whenever right like it yeah. just they would be, and I didn't I didn't want to change it I wanted to keep it as faithful as possible so you kind of have to shoot it when it was written Mm-hmm. So have you gone to Maine before? Yes, I went last autumn. Uh, I oh. went on a, a pilgrimage, right? Because I've been reading about it all my life. Mm-hmm. And there's these towns like I want I want to go to like Ludlow. I want to go to you know, uh. Powell and all these places. Um, so I went and I, I did I drove around the state and I was entranced like so beautiful. The you know leaves were changing everywhere you looked was like a river or like this beautiful view. It's just insane. And then I went to Bangor and I took the Stephen King tour, the SK uh. tours in Bangor, highly recommended. So cool. And it take, it's like walking through his novels because, you know, Derry's layout is basically Bangor's layout. Mm-hmm. So you can see the canals and the barrens and the Paul Bunyan and like the standpipe and like the whole nine yards. Um, and I was such a dork because I was, I was wearing my, <laughs> I was wearing my Stephen King rules shirt. And I'm like in the front seat of the van, bouncing up and down the whole time. And then they turn a corner and there's this, the flag sign that like he took the, the name from, from this random store. And, and so I just saw it and I screamed flags like super loud, <laughs> completely involuntarily. And then oh. clapped my hands over my mouth because I realized I just screamed flags really loud. And the tour, the tour, the tour truck guy, he's just like, yeah, we're going to get there. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm so excited. Oh. But you got to we got to go to Stephen King's house and see you know his beautiful big Victorian craziness. It was uh, a dream come true. So then that's great because now I can I get to go back and uh, they're going the people who run the tour are going to be helping me with hiring local in oh Maine. Oh my god, that's so oh, awesome! Cool. So I I, I, want, I really want to be help like help out local businesses and shoot there and make sure that you know because as we know like the main uh, as Stephen King writes about like a very insider outsider kind of thing, but it hasn't been like that. Like everyone's been very excited that I want to show the state and how beautiful it is. Well, I remember. Love at, yeah. Oh, sorry. Actually, go ahead, Julie. No, that's all. <laughs> oh, when, when I was, yeah, I was gonna say, I remember back when I think it was, I want to say it was Graveyard Shift, which I think was actually filmed in Maine. I remember they were really wanting to energize that to have a, a kind of a local film scene in Maine, and obviously that movie didn't do too well. Um, and I, I remember Stephen King was actually 
reading about that he was pretty heavily promoting it not because the movie was good but because he just really wanted more movies to film there and so mm-hmm. yeah i think i think it's i think that's great in general uh, and especially if it's a stephen king story like you said it makes total sense of film well, there. one of the things i love was like the undead and buried uh documentary that mm-hmm. john campiano uh, did because it really showed just how much the locals got behind the stephen king adaptation and the property and it made me love Pet Cemetery even more. Pet Cemetery, yeah, that's and I think that movie works so well because it's in Maine. I mean, just the way the the way the highway is right next to this really rural setting that seems very specific to that yeah that town. Uh, Well, I'm so excited to see how this this goes down. Do you think that 2020 it's gonna or 20 God 2020? What am I talking (laughs) about? 2021? (laughs) Yeah, like I want to stay in this year anymore. Um, So yeah, we're we're looking at summer 2021 to awesome. Awesome. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, doing post-production after that. And just, you know, it's going to be a whole new world as far as filming goes, as far as, you know, sanitation and keeping everybody mm-hmm. healthy and safe and stuff. But it's just kind of got to go with the flow and go see what happens. It's mm-hmm. very strange looking at set photos and seeing everyone wearing masks. Like, I I, I keep forgetting. Um, you know, I mentioned Stranger I Things know. before. And I was looking at set photos from that. And I was like, oh, my God, this scene, they're wearing masks. I was like, oh, you fucking idiot. They're fucking filming and they have masks on. <laughs> like, are you nuts? Like, um, and so I, it was just like them hanging out, like like having a drink or something like that or like, a you know, a tab mm-hmm. or something. And I'm, and I'm just like sitting there like, well, why? Well, maybe there's a contamination that's going over Hawkins. And I'm just like, no, it's, it's just a set <laughs> photo of them hanging out. Um, but it is strange. Can I just mention that uh, that tab just got discontinued, and I'm very sad about that because that's my I, very favorite soda. Oh, no. I love tab. Oh, it's like discontinued, discontinued now. Yeah, the, the uh. Coca Cola is not going to make it anymore. Oh, uh. wow. oh so well, sad. now that now that joke can, that joke in Back to the Future is really going to be dated because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you think they'll regret that if it's featured in um, Stranger Things? I think they yeah, will. They, but, you know, yeah. Maybe they'll bring it back seasonally, or you know, like yeah, I, yeah. I just had it's like some pumpkin uh, spice. Yeah, like I had some <laughs> yeah. some blueberry <laughs> cereal and Count Chocula. Maybe it'll be like that every yeah. <laughs> every four yeah. Halloweens or something like that. A girl can dream. Yeah. yeah. Well, we just let, have to demand it. You know. Yeah, I mean that's all it really does. It comes down to. I mean, like I've. I was demanding apple cinnamon uh, egos for years and uh, hey, they're back. So, you know, look, it's, it, it could happen. Egos were discontinued. <laughs> well, a- apple cinnamon egos were discontinued. So, I did not know that. Yeah. I'm the only one that was crazy that wanted them. Like I'd go there and be like, blueberry, like where are my apple cinnamons? And so finally they came <laughs> back and I, I've literally during the pandemic, because they've only been at Target. So I've, I've literally lock, walked like two miles to my Target to go get it and then come back. And I've, I'm like carrying like four boxes. I look like 11 from Stranger Things. Anyway, um, <laughs> look, Stranger Things 2 takes place on Halloween and we're talking about Halloween. So um, <laughs> that's a really stretch of a transition. But I wanted to ask before we get into our list, why do we think King has never really made like a straightforward Halloween tale? Um it's, just, it's strange. I mean, he's had, obviously we're going to be talking about it, but he's had stories and novels that have taken in and around it, but he hasn't really had just like a, a literal dead on straightforward. This is a Halloween story. And I'm wondering like, yeah. why not? I mean, it, it seems weird. Well, I was thinking, unless I'm missing something, like I don't think he really has many holiday tales. Like I don't think he's really done anything on Christmas or Thanksgiving, which mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's mentioned in the shining. Um, yeah. But, Cause that's the first day mean, that they're at the overlook, I think is on mm-hmm. Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but but I mean he is a horror writer and so Halloween would be the natural thing. Um and I don't know. We were we were kind of talking about this on the psychoanalysis episode. Like it's almost like Halloween is like its own kind of you don't want to get it wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of the the high holy day for horror lovers and it's like I, I don't know, maybe he's a little nervous to do it. <laughs> he might, some some one of the console listeners is saying that he hates it. And I couldn't oh, yeah? find any quote about that. And I think it would be bizarre that he would hate it. Because I, 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 rem- yeah. I vividly remember reading in like an anecdote about how like he would pass out candy at his mansion. Or his, not oh, his yeah. mansion but, you know, the, the gothic um, you know, mansion in Bangor. And so I, I can't imagine that he would hate Halloween. It seems like bizarre that he would, the master of horror, Stephen King, would hate Halloween. Like, why would you? That seems insane to me. But I couldn't yeah. find any evidence to back that up. But I don't know. I mean, Dan, you've read literally every one of his stories. Uh, isn't it strange that he hasn't done anything like holiday related? I mean, it seems weird, right? I mean, I, I guess <laughs> I guess he knocked all the holidays out in one fell swoop with Cycle of the Werewolf, right? Well, that's with true. The, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So may, maybe that was a way for him to appease that. I was I was thinking about this, and I wonder if it almost doesn't surprise me as much with his novels because a lot of his novels take they're huge and they take place over such a long period of time. You know, mm-hmm. like it, and even something like The Shining, which is over more than a whole season. So part of me is like, well, because because his books are so epic and only a few of them are self-contained and pressurized, maybe it would just do him a disservice to focus on a holiday too much. Like that would devote too much attention to one spot in the book. But I'm almost mm-hmm. surprised that there's no there aren't really any short stories that uh, mm-hmm. that really go into Halloween. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that would that, be the that, place to do it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's the only really logic I can come up with. Or like anything, maybe he just hasn't thought about it too much. Yeah. But it's funny because you mentioned the Halloween tree earlier. And King is so indebted to Ray Bradbury and talks about him totally. all the time. And he talks about him mm-hmm. in, in Dance Macabre. And because when I think of a fall author, I think of Ray Bradbury. That's the first person that comes to mind. So because fall kind of runs through so many of Ray Bradbury's books, not just something wicked this way comes in the Halloween tree. I yeah you, you would think it would seep into King's work a little bit more but yeah I guess it, it just hasn't for whatever reason. I just Julia, finished. Oh, yeah, so go, go ahead. No, 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 go for it. No, you go. <laughs> I just finished uh, Under the Dome, uh, mm-hmm. which is taking place like ramping up to Halloween. Yes, mm-hmm. and yeah. then it's all of like the 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 bad dreams and like visions everybody's having. It's like pumpkins are burning and there's jack o' lanterns and stuff. So that's not on actual Halloween, although it leads up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I can, as far as like a Halloween, a hundred percent, the thing all is like an all in one day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I would be a hundred percent into it. And mm-hmm. I would predict that it will happen. Oh, you think Me so? Too. Yes. I hope, I mean, I hope it just seems so weird. And that's, that. that's, I, God, I totally forgot about Under the Dome because same thing with like 1122, which came out like almost, I think it was like what, a year later after that. Um, oh yeah. That's on they, Halloween. They all are kind of around it. And mm-hmm. in which actually is kind of, perfect for Halloween because I never actually love the holiday. I love the lead up. I actually get really depressed mm-hmm. around the holiday. Like I'm already depressed. Like <laughs> I, I'm my, my girlfriend is like lost her mind with me because I'm just sitting there like being like, well, we only have three more days of this. And then she's like, well, you know, fucking enjoy it. And I'm like, well, sorry. I, I just wish we could go back to like when, you know, Vanderbilt was here when we were recording American Werewolf in London. And, you know, we had the whole month ahead of us and now we have three days and she's just like, you know, you're so half glass empty. But I, so I, I actually love the lead up. So, Mm-hmm. Under the Dome, I think that is part of the reason why I love that book so much is because you are in that world, and also there's a psycho, a psych, uh, there's a there's a psychic corgi in it, so that's a big plus. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, <laughs> that's a great one. Um, but yeah, so what would we want 
from a Stephen King Halloween story? Would we want a ghost story? Would we want a monster? Would we want what was actually kind of teased and uh, presented to us on Nightmares and Dreamscapes? And maybe it could be like a scarecrow type thing. Like, wh- wh- yes, you that's want? what I want. Yeah, <laughs> I would love. I it want if that he scarecrow. Did, yeah, yeah. If, he, if they did some kind of maybe a Shutter special or just some online web film, like an anime, maybe even animated. And it's it's just the Castle Rocket Scarecrow or whatever you want to call it. And he just made a even a, just a short story about a scarecrow stalking a bunch of kids in Halloween. I think that'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Julia, yeah, what awesome. would you want out of a Halloween, like a 100% pure, unadulterated Stephen King Halloween story? I want a group of characters that are all stuck in one place and they can't get out. And there's mm. a killer there and they have to figure out. Because to me, my favorite stories are ones where it's just like people in rooms talking. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. And because I love Stephen King because he will delve into every single character completely. Yeah. And so like maybe it's a thing where like you as the audience don't know who it is and he's going to go through every single one until you figure out and they figure out who it is. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. That would be cool. Yeah. You know, you know what I think would be really cool um, is if he did kind of like a different seasons kind of thing only like the framing design devices like trick-or-treaters and they go to a house and each house is like a different story you know Mm -hmm. like a a halloween bottle kind of thing and it's a castle rock tale too so it's like all or maybe it's actually all in those locations like one's castle rock one's ludlow one's jerusalem's lot one's dairy yeah that'd be awesome yeah that would be so much i think what i would yeah i think what no matter what can one of them be in juniper hill please (gasps) yes oh yeah oh that's good yeah oh that would be really good (laughs) remember that bowers boy that was here a while ago Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think with any stephen king halloween tale i would want it to be maximum king which i feel like we don't get as much anymore just really don't we get like a lot of collaborations we get a lot of his hard-boiled crime stuff which is all good i'm not saying it's it's bad but i it's been a long time since he's just done a flat-out monster story Um, i know Mm -hmm. i mean i I guess you could kind of call something like the outsider that but it's it's you know what i mean it's too true crime no that's it's too yeah yeah, like something that that on its surface and the way it's marketed just screams halloween the way that the movie trick-or-treat screams halloween just just go Mm -hmm. going just turning up the volume turning up the lights to orange that's why i would whatever it was i would just want it to be just like you can smell the pumpkin coming off of it that's yeah uh, yeah. i like that i like that well hey mick world it can happen um (laughs) but what has happened are all his stories and we love stephen king because look like chocolate and peanut butter you can't have halloween without the king (laughs) and so we're going to talk about 10 stories that we actually collated Uh, I asked everyone on this panel to give their five stories that they would want to read or they feel has Halloween ties. Uh, And, you know, I took it. I I, I collated the the list. (laughs) I uh, tabulated the numbers. I did the gerbalytics, if you will. Um, (laughs) And I came up with a top 10. And we're going to go through our top 10, 10 to 1. And, and don't worry, constant listeners. I asked you. I know you did. You know, you're sitting there just screaming and being like, <laughs> you asked us also. What are you talking about? And go, don't worry. We're going to get to you. We got, we got you. Um, and uh, But first, we got to get to ours. And at number 10, because we're going to start this right now. We're going right in. I, I got the pumpkin. I'm, I got my knife. I'm going to get the little top, even though it always <laughs> takes me a little long. And I'm always wondering, should I go a little wider? Or should I go smaller? What if it falls in? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Either way, we're going to go number 10, The Raft. Now, this is an interesting story to lead and kick off our top 10 because 
if you think about it, the raft seems more like a summer story, you know, like a sizzling summer day. Like, hey, look, it's four kids that are on a raft in the middle of a lake. That sounds like a great July to me. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is actually set in the autumn, and which is kind of what makes the horror of this story a little more frigid, um, if you catch my drift. Uh, <laughs> and, and I voted for it because not only just because of its campfire simplicity, but also because it has that like kind of brusque escapism that we all really want during the fall. Like when we all want to go to cabin trips, you all want to go off and like, you know, re- reenact Lawrence Kasdan's The Big Chill. Um, and <laughs> I, so I voted for it for that very reason, because I, when I, when I think about it and I watch Creepshow 2 and, you know, I fast forward through the first chapter and then I go right into the, the raft. Um, <laughs> I think like, yeah, this is great. This is what I want with all my friends right now in late September, early October. So I voted for it. Jen, you also voted for it. Why yes. do you Why do you uh, consider this a Halloween tale? Um, well, one, because this was one of the ones that I would listen to a lot on Halloween. This is one mm. of my OG audio books that I would listen to. Um, I think that when I think about Halloween horror, I want kind of like a separation between like anything that would connect to my life. And so I can really kind of just enjoy the fun and like, and this actually kind of functions a little bit like a slasher, you know, in the way that it like picks off the characters. It does. And yeah. like, I feel like because it's in college and like, I'm not in college anymore. So there's kind of that nostalgic element too. Um, it's just really fun. It's like the stakes are pretty low for me. Like I read stuff really empathetically and there's really nobody I connect to here. So oh, yeah. it's no, no, not no. like <laughs> devastating to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just fun. And I think there's a reason that it was picked for creep show too, you know, cause it's mm-hmm. just like a real contained fun, like kind of mean story, but not like in a, like an overly vicious way, you know? No, this, this is a huge favorite amongst the, the club. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we named this, Caffrey, you were on these episodes. I think we named this number one in the Skeleton I, Crew I other than so, the Mist, yeah. right? I, I think, think it was number one of the first three story collections. Yeah. I think it, it was, was, yeah. I, and I think we all voted for it, like you were saying, Jen, because of its simplicity. Um, yeah. And I did, I did not pick this story, but I love this story. And it's funny because I had forgotten that it takes place at the onset of fall. And they even talk about how cold the water is, right? Because it's, yep. mm-hmm. it's not summer anymore. And yeah, I guess if we're talking about Halloween tales, because of the shallowness of the characters, like you're saying, <laughs> we, we really just do get to enjoy the disgusting ways in which they die. And, mm-hmm. you know, I talked a minute ago about how I feel like Stephen King doesn't do monsters as much anymore. And this one has a great monster. I mean, it just, yeah. I mean, the, the money in the story is just, just watching uh, Deke. Is that the guy's name? The, the Deke. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Oh God. Him getting slowly pulled through and in the movie it's quick, but in the book it's, I think over like the entire evening and they talk about how much blood is in him and just the, and the way the raft changes colors, the, the oil slick changes colors. Um, yeah, like I'm, I, although I didn't vote for it, I am, I totally advocate for it. I'm on board with it. (laughs) Julia, what about you? What, what are your thoughts on The Raft? Um, I think it's a cool story. It's not one of my favorites, I'll be honest. But I think it's a it's cool that y- they do talk about like not there's, there's multiple levels of terror, right? Like you're out in mm-hmm. the middle of this thing. You can see your car like it's mm-hmm. right yeah. there. You can't yeah. get to it. You're freezing. And like then you have this thing that you don't know what it is that is killing people in these horrible ways you mentioned, but also is like entrancing people beforehand like when they look at it they can't look away and it kind of like gets into their brains and, and that, that we never know what it is yeah like, what the fuck is it i don't mm-hmm. know i love that cool. we don't know and, mm-hmm. and and it's so awesome because it's like has it always been there is mm-hmm. it something that was recently dumped and yeah you're right on the money I, I love the fact that you see the car and i love in the movie that they actually hear the car radio 
because it just mm. seems so close but so far at the same time. Mm-hmm. It, it, it reminds me of kind of like that's actually some of my favorite moments in horror movies is when they're so close to getting away or so close from that re- that 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 reality that we know and we're comforted by, and yet they're so trapped and you have to watch it. Like I think of um, the uh, in like Scream. When I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Casey, Before, right? yeah, like mm. when Casey runs around the house and she literally sees her mother mm. and father oh. walking in, mm-hmm. and you can't, she can't do anything about it. Or even like, um, uh, uh, just one, one of the examples just uh, left my mind. I was thinking, like, I just rewatched uh, Halloween too, and one of the freakiest parts is yes. when Lori is crawling through the parking lot and she's so hoarse from all the drugs and the medical procedures that she can't scream loud enough when Loomis and mm. the federal marshal and, and Marion get there. Um, Julie, I wanted to ask just because knowing that you're adapting, I know what you need and hearing your thoughts on the raft and what your ideal Halloween King story would be. Are you, are you, would you say you're into more of King's psych, uh, psychological horror, um, as opposed to his, you know, more grotesque stuff? I'm into everything. Cause I'm a horror hound, like for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Cause I, yeah, I mean, and I'm, cause I have a horror podcast, horror movie survival guide. Right. And like, I just talk about the, and the gorier, the better. So anything goes, nice. um, I like, I like all of it, but it's really the characters that. Mm. I connect with and some books I don't like as much because I don't like the characters as much. I'm just like, I don't really care for this person. But then there's (laughs) ones that I fall in love with that person, you know, like Roland, like someone Mm. like that. Right. And you're just like, oh, I love you, Roland. I will follow you anywhere, (laughs) even to the tower. It'd be (laughs) funny if uh, Roland was on the raft. (laughs) King just (laughs) like a a Finney appears and he's just like, uh, seems like you guys need my help. And they're like, oh, my God. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, the characters are are not very likable. Yeah. The characters are not super likable. And it has one of the more problematic endings for characters of all time like you know it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of yep. <laughs> it's a little dark yeah uh, especially yeah, in the book yeah, yeah. it's yeah. really i mean the movie's really bad but, yeah because like honestly you could have had it where at least she was awake but it just seems so like every time i watch it i'm still just like oh man like what even as a kid i was just like what are you doing like mm-hmm. this seems so strange to me but um hey he gets his um and i kind of actually love <laughs> i love the creep show too ending more than the book one because i think it's more true to the ec comic spirit just of like it kind of goes into the thing i was just talking about where like you're so close and that there you go mm-hmm. nope the wave you were like you know your hubris got the worst of you but um or the best it's of like you. the gotcha but, um, moment it's like the stinger from from the ec comics i love it yeah well hey speaking of ec comics uh bernie wrightson uh illustrated this next entry in our top 10 cycle of the werewolf uh, which uh, we uh, the, the club uh, recently adapted with uh, Shiloh the dog uh, that I, is my favorite. Um, that was, was so uh, cute. Uh, that was great. Uh, our uh, our celebrity pet, um, the, the the clubhouse dog. So um, uh, anyway, Caffrey, you had this one pretty high, so I'm giving you the floor to to talk all about cycle. Yeah, and I I think because of the Bernie writes in art, Bernie writes in. I've been reading a lot of his comics during the spooky season. He has that great version of Frankenstein that he illustrated, and of course the Creepshow graphic novel. Even even I don't associate the Stand with being a, a very Halloween type novel, but even the illustrations in that, there's something about the way he draws people's muscles and just all the mm-hmm. grossness that I really just associate with Halloween. And then the the obvious thing we've talked about already. I, it was at least at the time the only thing I could think of, the only King Tale I could think of that actually takes place on Halloween, if only for a little bit. And it's it's funny because we get to see all the holidays in a sense, right? But 
Mm-hmm. I really remember that illustration of uh, the little kid dressed as Yoda, and he's there. He's at the door of the preacher and everything. And that reminds me of E.T. when they're walking around, they see Yoda. I don't know. There's just something that really seems to be having a lot of fun with Halloween for. And I don't know. Werewolves Werewolves are one of the classic monsters, right? It's like vampires, mm-hmm. mummies, creature, creature uh, the gill man, and werewolves. And so I think because it's such a straightforward monster tale, it's just one that I always love reading in October. And just one that really screams such straightforward horror uh, to me. And it's just a lot of fun, too. So. Yeah, oh, that's so why much I picked fun. it. Yeah, and yeah, and the and the, yeah, and the Bernie Wright scenario, I mean, is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had this actually in my top five before I swapped it out for. Uh, I think I might have put it put Pet Cemetery in there at last minute or something. But um, I yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's something that's so easy and breezy about this that why wouldn't you pick it up? You know, it's like mm-hmm. it, this is the easiest thing that you can get in and out of with King, uh, with the exception of one other title that I'm going to talk about a little later. But uh, <laughs> Jen, Jen, what are, what are your thoughts on the cycle? Um, I love it. I'm not a huge werewolf fan, but I really love this story. I think because it's so unique and it's kind of like this little oddity of a book, you know. Um, what I think my favorite part of it is, is kind of the earlier parts of the year where it's like the little vignettes about different people in the town. And it reminds me of like my favorite parts of Salem's Lot when they're just kind of learning about the town. And like it's yeah. not necessarily connected to the story, but I just always think of the the Valentine's Day um, lady. Me too. Uh, that's so sad. Yeah. And it's, but it's so like, it, it's, it is like straight up kind of horror, but because like you see a full cycle of the year, it's, it's like little snapshots in time. And it's just, it's really cool. It is kind of funny that I don't think there is a death in the October one. I think it's just them, it's literally like them talking about how he's missing an eye. Mm. And then yeah, because that's see. the reveal, yeah, the reveal, right? right? Mm-hmm. So it's the death of his innocence because he knows that he cannot trust his his ah. person anymore. I don't want to spoil it. Which feels very Ray Bradbury. I feel like that's a, a theme taken right from that. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Julia, uh, what are your thoughts on Cycle? I have to confess I have not read it. No. It is one of the ones that I have not read. Um, I have seen Silver Bullet, which mm-hmm. I know, of course, people I are... Yeah, I like it. I mean, Corey Haim for the win. But um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I've been a Corey Haim fan since I was like seven years old. I'm, Love Haim. <laughs> it is... So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's, I, I feel like I've, people always think that I've read everything and I'm like, I'm getting there, man. I'm going as fast as I can. And <laughs> it's like, a lot. It, it's yeah, because in the, in the last two and a half years, I've read over 40. Oh, you wow. Know, so I'm like really getting there, but I, it's it's a long process. So Cyclo mm-hmm. of the Rove is, because it's not, as far as I know, connected to the Dark Tower and I'm reading everything connected. Mm-hmm. So things that are not connected, like I just picked up a copy of Dolores Claiborne, but won't be reading it <gasps> until after I finish everything. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the tower connection. Because I'm big dork. <laughs> love it. I love it. I think so. Uh, Silver Bullet's pretty close to the the book. Too. It pretty I mean, it, it is. It has yeah. to mess with like the linearity of it a little bit. They don't have the winner, the unfortunately. But that's <laughs> yeah, it. yeah. It, no, it's it's funny, Julia. You saying Corey Haim because I'm trying to think outside of some of the old Universal stars or the Hammer um, picture stars. Is there another person who has also been in a classic vampire movie and a classic werewolf movie? Because Corey Haim's got Lost Boys, and that's like, a good point. I was just thinking, like, oh, he's yeah, he that I I can't say that for many actors, let alone teens of his generation. It's well, I mean, hey, how about how about his pal uh, uh, Corey Feldman, uh, who fought uh, the modern Universal monster in uh, Jason Voorhees, uh, which is mm-hmm. uh, oh, that's, that's, true. that's true, that's true. Uh, and you get Monster Monster Squad kind of like takes all the bases right there, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, with all, yeah, get all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, look, you know, in Monster Squad, you have four kids. They all have parents, but they also have grandparents. And in um, <laughs> <and> our eighth, <laughs> the worst transition, uh, <laughs> number eight, Grandma. Now, I love this story, and I know that we we do at the the club uh, love the story as well. Um, most notably because of Jen, uh, <laughs> really repped this one hard on the short stories episode that we did a couple weeks or not a couple weeks. I think it was a couple months at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the second of uh, the skeleton crew stories on here. Jen, take the lead on this one because th- this is your favorite short story of his altogether, right? Well, yes and no, because we, when I said it was my favorite, it was my favorite of the first three collections. And ah. my favorite overall is actually on this list that we'll get to. Ooh, but I'm yeah, excited. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's my second favorite of all of his stories. And I love it. I think I'm just kind of really obsessed with witches. So, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like he's written very many witches. Like, I don't know if I would rather a witch story or a Halloween story. And I might lean a little towards witches, unless yeah. you could put the witch story on Halloween, which would just be amazing. Mm. Um, but this one is so creepy and I remember like this is another one that I've listened to the audiobook a lot and it's read by um, Francis McDormand I believe interesting oh, nice. wow okay that is that is Francis McDormand no wait it's not it's um Francis Sternhagen sorry sorry oh okay <laughs> totally okay. different yeah yeah um but of misery and I believe golden years mm-hmm. uh, fan- yep. yeah okay. yep um but it's just so creepy and I think because the little boy is isolated for so long and there's like the section where like the branches are like tapping on the window mm-hmm. and it's like the ending it's just so creepy and I remember one time I listened to this audiobook um I really just wanted to scare myself and so I just sat outside of my my uh parents <laughs> hot tub one night and just listened to it by myself as like the sun went down and it's pretty long so by the time it was over I was like terrified it's a scary story and it I is think, a scary story I think what's so scary about it is um and we talked a little bit about this on actually we talked a lot about this on the short stories episode but uh what really gets me is the body horror of it all um mm-hmm. and I think I mentioned the skeleton key as being something similar and the idea that like that body swap thing is so scary because no one would ever believe you. And mm-hmm. yet it's the the worst fate possible. Like I think mm-hmm. of the, the ending of the skeleton key just, you know, just still haunts me. Like I still think about it sometimes in the same mm-hmm. way with this short story where I'm like, this would just be such a shitty way to go out <laughs> because mm-hmm. what do you even become? Like, what is the boy? He just, what is it's like being John Malkovich. He's just going to yeah. exist as like this thing in the, the mind that has yeah. no agency over his own body anymore. It's, it's very eerie. Um, but yeah, I could see, I, I, I certainly could see the, the Halloween connection here because look, you got, you got your ghosts, you got your ghouls and you got your witches. So, um, <laughs> I think McDonald's, uh, pretty much set that straight with the, uh, the pumpkin, the, the ghost and the witch. Um, and the same thing with, uh, Halloween three season, the witch, um, Caffrey, grandma, what are your thoughts? Love grandma. Yeah. And I, and it's funny cause now <laughs> that we're, we're talking about werewolves, we're talking about witches and yeah, I think when it comes to Halloween, I just love things that tackle those monster archetypes and and we'll I, we'll get to a lot of them i think on this list not i mm-hmm. think i know because because mm-hmm. i've seen the list <laughs> you're staring and, at it i know i'm looking right at it i know <laughs> what's coming um yeah and it, it's funny yeah i like that you say the witch thing uh, jen i'm trying to think i mean i guess king has visited witches a little bit in some of his books but this is really the only one where it's the focal point right and i and yeah. it's mm-hmm. yeah and it's it it just seems like a good opportunity make you have Rhea the coups you have the witch mm-hmm. and it, you have some other thing. It's not like he doesn't play with that imagery at all, but yeah, this is really the one where it's the main villain. Have y'all seen um, 
Tales from the Dark Side, the anthology movie. Yeah. yeah. And the framing device around that. I know one I know this I don't know if Stephen King wrote the whole thing, but I know some of the stories are based on his stories and they have a witch as a framing device for that. It gets a little goofy at the end, but uh not only a witch, uh Debbie Harry, aka oh, Blondie yeah. is the witch. Oh my god, yeah. Ooh. With uh what is it Matthew Lawrence, that's the the little yes. kid, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he breaks oh the gosh. fourth wall at the end. It's it's crazy. Is but, that is that uh, Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire fame? Oh yeah. Matthew Lawrence? Pre oh, wow. this is like pre Mrs. Doubtfire, like young Matthew Showtime. Lawrence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, no, and, and I, yeah, I didn't, I don't think I had this one on my list, but I also think it, what's the sense? Skeleton crew, right? Skeleton crew. Yeah. Skeleton crew. Yeah. And I think it's, I, we talked about this skeleton crew when, when we re- reread it, I thought was a weaker collection than I remember it being, but the ones that are good are really good. And I would mm-hmm. count grandma in there. It's funny because going back now, having gone through four past midnight and nightmares and dreamscapes, I'd probably rate skeleton crew a little higher um you know it's certainly yeah. no night shift night shift is always just a 10 out of 10 it's probably my go-to stephen king novel to give anyone um mm-hmm. no it is and it's certainly one more emblematic king novels but skeleton crew is pretty close in terms of like when it hits and it hits, oh, i mean meets, yeah you know target it's so fun yeah. there's some great stuff mm-hmm. in, like grandma the reach the raft uh the mist yeah. i mean there's anything that starts the with jaunt the, yeah. i mean it's yeah it's pretty wild oh, the jaunt so uh, john is freaky uh. and and i think too it, it's funny because yeah i love night shift and then his kind of middle period of short story collections i'm not crazy about but then i, I actually really like the more recent ones he's had, like Just After Sunset and uh-huh. uh, Bizarre Bad Dreams. I think I think he kind of got his short story game back uh, down the line. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, The Little Green God of Agony is really scary. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Julia, what are your thoughts on Grandma? I think it's a cool story. Um, I, I'm glad that you mentioned Skeleton Key because that's a movie that doesn't get any play uh, that should. <laughs> right? Because it's awesome. So weird. And it was it, also... Really? Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I should. I should. That, it's really no, creepy. As far as I can tell, like nobody's seen it because I saw, <laughs> I saw, because I saw Get Out, and then I was like, oh, it's like Skeleton Key, and it then is. Were, yes. they were like, what? And I was like, but okay, no one's seen it. All right, and I shouldn't say anything about it then, right? So, so. <laughs> yeah, because that um, that honestly, like, yeah, because I don't want to spoil it because the ending is literally shocking. Like, I actually uh-huh. was more shocked by that ending than I was with the Sixth Sense. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I just remember walking out being like. That is my ultimate fear, and I don't want to ever think about this or watch this movie again. Like, it was almost like what I had to tell myself. Like, I remember when I left the craft as a young kid, and I was just like, well, you know, her hair's gone, and, you know, that's so mean. And, like, that's my biggest fear is, like, losing hair. And, And, like... I remember my mom having to be like, well, you know, she becomes nice at the, you know, she's the nice one at the end. Maybe she goes back and like, you know, has her hair grow and like, you know, is, and, and she, the, the girl learned her lesson or whatever, but that's not the truth. She's, you know, <laughs> Christine Taylor is oh, screwed. Th- thanks, mom. That's I know, right. I thought it was sweet. Yeah. We're just outside AMC and I'm just like having fucking existential crisis about it. But um, <laughs> this uh, grandma also kind of reminds me, it's got kind of the like Zelda in Pet Cemetery vibe mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah, where it's like somebody in the back bedroom who you don't want to go back there and it's really mm-hmm. scary and they're like calling your name and so like that kind of fear of somebody because you when you're a kid like you don't understand sickness and what it does to people right like it's just mm-hmm. somebody becomes they become i don't know sick so yeah, yeah. Uh, and how scary that can be to a kid because you don't understand fully what's happening right yeah even if there's no supernatural thing that happened that would still be a very scary scenario and also it really kind of cuts into i've talked about this a lot on this podcast is just like the latchkey kid where you're, you really are left mm-hmm. to your own devices and you really have to kind of take agency over a situation. And that's certainly the case here where mm-hmm. he, he has no one to turn to. And 
I, that, that's one of the things that always kind of creeps me out about like the exorcist where it's not just the actual literal scares of seeing Reagan, like, you know, twirl her head around and, you know, masturbate with the crucifix and throw <laughs> furniture around. It's the idea of the mother having to live there with this thing that she knows is pure evil upstairs. And like, how do you, how do you relate? I mean, do, like, I, I, I think I tweeted like years ago. I was just like, did, you know, it would have been nice to see a scene of like, um, uh, you know, the mother and the exorcist uh, being like, so uh, macaroni and cheese tonight? Like, you know, <laughs> even though my daughter's possessed by the devil upstairs, like, I mean, how do you go to your day to day? Like, it's impossible. And like, mm-hmm. and that's something that I think about with this story. It's just the idea, like those, those days where the kid, when s- this, the afternoon shifts to evening and the evening shifts to night and you're left mm-hmm. alone and all you have is the television to kind of keep you company. And that's mm-hmm. certainly something that sticks with me today. But anyway, um, Let's move on. Uh, let's move on from grandmother's house. We go to uh, Derry, uh, specifically hey. Derry, Maine. We're talking our namesake. It. Yay! <laughs> it's my it's my favorite. Yeah, you had you had a uh, Pennywise's parable <laughs> at number two <laughs> on your list. Um, Julie, did you put this because of the clown costume that screams Halloween, or was there something no, else about it's, it? No, it's 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 legit just my favorite, and I think it's so creepy and feels feels very, even though it's about them during the summer, like it feels very autumnal to me because yeah. it's mm-hmm. kind of like this very this main town and everything's kind of falling apart and so it, i don't know it's the creepiest one to me i think because you have something that can literally like mirror your worst fear mm-hmm. and how that how do you get away from that right because we have a werewolf in it right you have the one that richie mm-hmm. chase gets chased by a werewolf um that is literally like the werewolf from the film that he's been watching but it's just this that's to i mean how could anything be scarier than it being your worst fear Right. Like it's going to be like this giant cockroach to me or whatever, like something that's just going to like make my mind go blank and just with terror and that Mm -hmm. nothing is scarier than that. It's almost like Pennywise is the would actually be like a remedy for Halloween because I'll I'll be like (laughs) scanning around sometimes. And now that we have like, you know, like, I don't know what, 50 fucking streaming networks to choose from. And thank God for Criterion because I just like has a you know curated collection. I'll be like, well, that's the next one. But there'll be nights where I'm like literally just like scrolling around, being like, do I want to vi- revisit Final Destination two? Do I want to go and watch this movie? You know, and I'll and it'll be three hours go by, and I'll be like, well, time to go to bed. I didn't watch anything. And Pennywise <laughs> makes it easier because it just figures out what you're scared of and is like, hey, this is me. I'm going to get you. <laughs> so I feel like in Halloween it'd be great because I just I'd be like, all right, hey. uh, Hey Pen, what do you got? Suggestions for you, Colin. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be like you know, hey, why don't you watch Session Nine? I know it gets under your skin. I'll be like, you're right. Put it on. But Um, but but also, it should Pennywise. Obviously, his favorite holiday should be Halloween, right? Because he feeds on fear. Yeah. So what's going to be the 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 evening of the year with the most fear is going to be Halloween. Oh yeah, and there's like a costume vibe to him too, because he's like technically like putting on the costumes of your fears like we mm-hmm. see him as like what five different things throughout the novel i would love Very it true. if like pennywise visited springwood ohio and like 
had like a kind of like transformation off with Freddy Krueger, mm. <laughs> like in Sword yeah, in the I, Stone. Where the yes, exactly. It's, <laughs> that's running. exactly oh, what I was thinking. That would about. be amazing. But then, but then here's the question, though, right? You have the power of hell or demons coming from Freddy, mm-hmm. or then you have an extra extraterrestrial power coming from Pennywise. So which is stronger? Mm. This is mm. such a good. Con- I, I love this idea <laughs> because the conflict is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and then it's like, does hell is hell a different dimension, or is hell mm-hmm. technically on mm. Earth, like in the in the core of Earth, or well, I can answer you yeah. that, uh, that, that, Caffrey, based on uh, the <laughs> supernatural lore, uh, which is they don't include uh, aliens in supernatural, but they do include uh, alternate dimensions and also uh, hell and heaven. So mm-hmm. I got to say, uh, according to the Winchester lore, uh, it looks like Pennywise would lose out <laughs> to Freddy Krueger, unfortunately. But I think Pennywise would win. I, yeah, I do I'm, too. I'm team yeah. Pennywise, yeah. He, he's, what he, if Pennywise transformed into Freddy Krueger? Yes. And then, battle of battle yeah. of the it would be battle of the beasts. It would yeah, be amazing. Yeah. And I think Freddie would be too concerned with like coming up with a witty one liner, you know? Yeah. I think I think what just, yeah. yeah. We like Pennywise to- would have to transform into like Kurt Loder and be like, uh, <laughs> "We have a Freddy Krueger here," and like Freddy would be like, "No, I don't want to be MTV Freddy anymore. <laughs> Not Spring Break." Oh, no. That's his worst nightmare, and he's just so embarrassed that he did that that it just destroys him. He's like, uh, he, he's like, "Here, take these sunglasses, Freddy." He's like, "No, no, <laughs> I'm losing my luster." <laughs> I think I think Pennywise just had because you have to think about it. Freddy was a human at one point who who made a deal with some demons. Pennywise mm-hmm. is a cosmic entity who's yeah. What mm-hmm. millions of years old, and maybe only has one force to contest him, which is the uh, the turtle, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. team Pennywise. I think. I, I would like the idea. I like the image of like Pennywise taking Freddy and then just like dropping him to space, like Frank Poole in 2001. <laughs> and you just see like Freddy just like. <laughs> Like, there's no noise either. First, like, the either. jaunt, and he's just yes. bouncing around forever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Longer oh. than you think, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, Freddy or, Freddy's like, he's, he's like, oh, just quit clowning around, just, like, making awful <laughs> stupid jokes, yeah. yeah. The one-liners would be insane, and we'd be like, it would feel like Rob Zombie or Toby Hooper wrote him. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, it'd just be all clown, you know, puns. Um, good God. Uh, well, hey, look. There's one place that I know that Freddy and Pennywise are certainly going to stay away from. Uh, it's a place we like to call Pet Cemetery, which is at number six. Uh, it's going to round out our bottom half. Um, look, there are three good reasons why Pet Cemetery is on here. One, it's set in fall. Two, Halloween is even featured on page. And three, let's be real, it's hands down the scariest story that King has ever told. Yep. What am I missing? I mean, is there anything else? <laughs> no, I mean, it's terrifying. Yeah, I think the thing, because this was not on my list, although this is in my top five of all of his books, and mm-hmm. I love it. <clears throat> um, but I think what keeps this from me is when I think about things I want to read on Halloween, I want to have fun with it. And yeah. this one is just not fun for me to read. Although, like, if I just read it up to the kite and just stopped right there, I think it would be fantastic <laughs> for Halloween. I, everyone <laughs> I know who has- Nice picnic for the family. Everyone right. I know who has read the book before they had kids and then reread the book after they had kids has that same feeling. Like, um, oh my god! I was talking. Yeah. To prof- I did it once yeah. and I literally could not turn the page. That, I was I was, I like, was um, talking to one of my professors in school and he he likes Stephen King a lot and he was I saw him walking around the Pet Cemetery. He was rereading it and I'm like, oh, isn't it great? How is it? And he's he's like, yeah, he's like, it's not fun this time around. It's just like making me really sad <laughs> yeah. about my kids. So yeah, it's. But it's this used to be my pool read. Like I love it. <laughs> 
What, your your pool just, read? Yeah, I take it to the pool. And like my old copy is actually like waterlogged in places. I love I love that idea. Like someone next to you is like reading like James Patterson or like you know the Dan Brown, <laughs> yeah. and you're reading Gage. You know, the, uh, oh. yeah. And then Freddie walks dark up. So pa- <laughs> Freddie walks really up is. with sunglasses. What you reading? <laughs> He's like, Here, I recommend this. And then yeah, then Pennywise comes out. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. Um, <laughs> Uh, Julia, sorry. Uh, what were you going to say about Pet Cemetery? I was going to say the Pet Cemetery uh, is is the the book slash film that got me into both Stephen King and horror all in one fell swoop. Oh wow! Uh, when I was like eleven years old, I I read it and Pet Cemetery and Carrie back to back and on the Ooh. bus. And oh. I just and and I will tell you, there was no R.L. Stein phase. There was no Christopher Pike phase. It went straight to Stephen King. That's <laughs> so um, good. And and I loved it so much that I, w- I read the book over and over and I watched the movie over and over and it was like the first horror movie I loved that I would show to people. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, I dressed up like post Micmac burial ground gauge for Halloween. <gasps> oh, nice. oh, wow. Okay, which was great, right? But I'm at, at a party with like 13-year-olds who were dressed as like princesses <laughs> and cheerleaders and they're like, what the fuck are you? Did you, did <laughs> you have like, like a little scalpel and a scar on your head or what, what did yeah, you do? And I had like the hat and I did the like phone call scene. Oh like, my God. You. Wow. I love you had the hat. That's great. That's so cool. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, I had a little like blue blue, blue velvet tunic on. Oh, I man, felt so you great, did the whole yeah. burial oh, game. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Hardcore. So I think, you know, what makes Pet Cemetery so scary, and I, and actually I don't have children, so I've never read it as a parent, and I feel like it would be far more terrifying yeah. that way. But I love not only, you know, this this fear of children dying, but also people coming back to life and their chains. You don't know how. Mm-hmm. And then you have the scariest part for me of both the book and the movie is Zelda, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. this and how monstrous they make her and how it's just this thing that you feel like Rachel will never get over because mm-hmm. it's just this thing that haunts her. And I think uh, my friend in high school, I went to a performing arts high school and for a monologue, she did Rachel's like Zelda monologue. <laughs> oh, for, for a monologue wow. once. I was really, really <laughs> happy. I don't <laughs> think the teacher was very happy, but mm. she was very happy. Um, so I just think it's very well written. It's very scary. I love how main it is. Yeah. Huh? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's. I think if you're gonna sh- if you're gonna give a book or recommend a Stephen King film, you can't really go wrong with this. Mary Lambert did a kick-ass job yes. with the movie. Then went on agree. to do Pet Cemetery Two, which is so different mm-hmm. than the first one. Mm-hmm. I'll say it that way. Um, oh, but no. I saw that movie a bunch of times because I was in love with Eddie Furlong. So. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I saw it in the theater like ten times. I was super into it. Also, too, <laughs> yeah. the first movie has generated. What I would say is not one of the Halloween music staples with the Ramones song. Oh, yeah. Like any ha- mm-hmm. It's like, a, I feel like it gets put on any Halloween playlist and, and everything. You can't go wrong yeah. with the fucking Ramones. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, not at all. And, and what's weird is like the, the, the story itself has like all the accoutrements of like the holiday. I mean, you, uh-huh. you have the graveyard, which is like the most mm-hmm. iconic location you could possibly have. You have the urban legends. You have folklore. You have, you know, the old man t- spinning campfire tales. You have the childhood fears of death, learning about death. Mm-hmm. And you have the adult fears of like losing the child. I mean, there's everything in it. It's a pretty good encapsulation of everything you'd want to be scared of during a season where you're looking to be scared. So, um, hey, love Pet Cemetery. <laughs> that is tied with the Dead Zone. I think is my favorite book of of King's uh, with Night Shift. I think the three of those are 
a pretty good uh, greatest uh, greatest hits. Uh, Julia, by the way, your uh, entrance into Stephen King was like literally stumbling into like Springsteen's Darkness and Born to Run and Born in the <laughs> USA. I mean, God, t- talk about great three book run to yeah. go into I it. Know. That's amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, well. Let's go to number five, a story that I haven't actually read uh, because we haven't gotten there on the club, but uh, it's called N. And Jen, this is your number one, so the floor is yours. Yes, this is, and this is my favorite of all of King's stories. Um, It's, I love it so much. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's about a man who goes out to take uh, photographs in a field, and there's kind of like a Stonehenge vibe, and there's a little bit of Cthulhu, Great God Pan Mm. kind of tie-ins, but there's also, like, it's an epistolary story, so it's told through... um, these psychiatrist notes about a man who has obsessive compulsive disorder. And so it starts by him talking in like a lot of detail about like counting shoes and like touching like the knobs on his oven. And it's just, it lulls you into this man's head. And then once it, because one, well, I don't want to spoil it, but like there are things that he sees sometimes and not always. And so it's like, you're not quite sure if you should believe him, but he's so meticulous in describing it that it's like the building dread you don't realize it's happening until you are like right it's right in your face and it's just it's so creepy I think it's perfect for Halloween because um although it talks about I think over the course of the year and it really talks about solstices like the autumnal solstice and the winter solstice um rather than actually Halloween but it's in the middle of a field and there's a lot of like kind of autumn feel to it Mm -hmm. you know and it's just it's so creepy and I love it I was actually listening to it on my walk earlier today because it's it's one that I can just (laughs) (laughs) listen to over and over again it's so good do you concur Caffrey I do and I've only read this story once and that was back when I read just after it's just after sunset right not just it is before. just after I, sunset. I always I always it, always it sounds like a link later movie it's like oh just after sunset yeah um man I, only, I saw a first edition of it at the book nook in Atlanta this past week and I didn't buy it and I, I should have I'm regretting it now it's like eight bucks I, should, I don't know why I didn't anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> um yeah I, I so what I remember and yeah without going into spoilers that I thought was really freaky of this story is that the evil and what is actually scary or what is actually dangerous in the book is very vaguely defined, which I remember mm-hmm. being really scary. Like, like the things get blurred a lot, the sense of reality and, and the threats in it. And yeah, it's funny because the imagery I remember most from it is just a guy standing in a field, which mm-hmm. feels very Halloween to me. But, um, yeah, it's funny because yeah. it's such a hard story to talk about without spoiling it. Right. It's right. It's yeah. kind of impossible to talk about, but I, yeah, no, I, I do concur completely. Um, yeah, yeah I might have to it's reread that one. It's so good. It's got some kind of crouch end vibes to oh, it. Oh, very crouch end. Yes, mm-hmm. very, very, very which crouch is another end. another one of my I like it better than crouch is, end, but it, it's... I do too, yeah. 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 Which is also very Lovecraftian too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. what I like about this story is like it's not, it's like, it feels kind of to me like you took like Lovecraft and like the Wicker Man and kind of like put yes. them together. Yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. And just, to, and I don't mean the Wicker Man in like, uh, you have this group of people on an island or anything, but just like that feel of like these giant open fields, like you should feel very serene in, but mm-hmm. you're, you don't, you feel very scared in. Yeah. Um, and I love the Lovecraft like mind break, um, mm-hmm. which is my favorite thing about him that you can, you know, s- see something so horrifying that you're just gone immediately. Yeah. Like you're yeah. just not, not there anymore. And like, that's awesome. And I think that like pet cemetery that kind of happens is like, uh, Lewis kind of like once his hair goes white mm-hmm. is just kind of gone right like mm-hmm. he's not like lights are on but nobody's home like that kind of I love that when characters are just twang and then like oh well they're gone now you know yeah 
Yeah. I think too well, with, with end, oh, go, like, go for it. Go well, I was gonna say I don't I don't always love the Lovecraft connections and not just in King stories, but every horror novelist. I'm I'm just not a huge Lovecraft fan. I think sometimes it feels I don't know when the big reveal is like, oh, it's a Lovecraft thing, cool, or tentacles and elder gods and shit like that. Like that, like that's not always my favorite thing in, in King stories. But I think what, yeah, I think why I like it in N is because it, it just feels tied to something so much more psychological. And it and, and like I said, the best way I can say is it's vaguely defined. And so yeah, it's like one of the times I really like the, the Lovecraft connection a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the, the only time I've really picked the first time I picked up on the Lovecraft connections with King was I think Jerusalem's Lot because that mm-hmm. feels like almost like him trying to just do an early Lovecraftian yeah. story, even where the way it's, it's like written through letters with, with the time yeah. period and everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, hey, look, this is not really a spoiler per se, but this was Jen's number one and number five, <laughs> and we're going to be going through all our number ones the next, uh, you know, in the next few entries here. And at number four, Julia's number one. Woo-hoo. I know what you need. Uh, yeah. Now, what makes this stand out to you as a Halloween tale? And more importantly, what draws you to this story in general? Um, I think the, what, draw, what makes it a Halloween tale is just like the overarching feeling of dread. That, mm-hmm. But it's also very mundane. Mm-hmm. That's something that someone that you think looks or acts very normally is actually behind the scenes not normal at all Mm -hmm. um so the thing that draws me to this story is um so i have kind of odd taste in boys um so i am known for i I think norman bates is really adorable um this is like pre-psycho like before he turns right when Mm -hmm. he's like just like eating candy corn out of his pocket he's a sex pot i love him yeah (laughs) he's adorable the candy corn is dead i was literally just gonna say that he's so cute yeah yes so like Norman Bates and like uh, Eric Binford from Fade to Black and like Martin from Martin and Arnie <laughs> from Christine. Like yes. I really am fucking hot. Like Keith Gordon mm-hmm. and Christine. Holy fucking shit, man. Yes. Like as the as the nerd or the greaser, I'll take either mm-hmm. one. Like hot. <laughs> um, so so I have this kind of weird like I they're like you kind of feel sorry for them and you can tell that there's something wrong with them, but you just kind of want to help them because of that. So I feel like Edward uh, is the main character, and I know what you need. Like, they describe him within paragraphs of this first story, and I read it. Read his description. I was like, "Yep, I'm on board." <laughs> like, and, you know, and they're like, he's described as like he's unkempt, and he's wearing a too big fatigue jacket, and he's wearing big glasses, and like his socks don't match, and like nobody else looks reads that and is like, "Yes," but I do. And mm-hmm. So for me, like, I was on board with Elizabeth. Is like, oh, kind of into it. Like he's kind of weird. <laughs> his deal mm-hmm. and going along with that and and in a, and i think i love the story because it's a love story mm-hmm. even though it's stephen king love story right so it's super twisted but there is this this really intense love story that like it's and it, and it's how do you where is the line between love and obsession mm-hmm. and like where does where does obsession take you um, so I actually, I, if we talk, I would like to talk a little bit more about it, but I would like to hear your thoughts on the story first. Cause it's, I don't think I see it anyway, the way anybody else sees it. Caffrey, you go for it. I mean, it's interesting. Cause I, from what I remember when we talked about it on the night shift episode, we talked about being a kind of exploration of, um, toxic masculinity a little bit. And mm-hmm. the, um, what, sorry, what's the main dude's name in it again? Edward. Edward. Um, and Edward being almost kind of like a neckbeard, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. What is, what, what is the neck? Oh, ne- neckbeard. I mean, I know what uh, literally is, but what is it metaphorically? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I, I guess maybe a better way to put it is, um, 
someone who considers himself a nice a nice guy like will actually call themselves that and they feel like they're owed um affection from uh from someone they're into just because they're nice to them that kind of thing mm-hmm. like uh like an incel kind of yeah, yeah yeah very much exactly. yeah totally totally and yeah i think like yeah and and, and yeah so it's it's funny because i'm when i guess what i'm just i was pondering while you were saying that was oh because we i feel like we looked at it as this this very kind of negative thing by the end of it but yeah it totally can be a love story too right like it can be it's a love story that goes very 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 sour by the end of it um sure. yeah and it's uh and i'll be interested to see how you tackle this in in the film too because i I like the story a lot and i know in the in the pros we had talked about how maybe the the kind of voodoo stuff got a little heavy-handed at the end but at the same yeah. time that does feel uh, like a very halloween thing yeah sorry we're you gonna say julia mm-hmm. uh well i was gonna say that i i've i've lessened that that's good yeah. uh, i was gonna ask yeah. about that because that that was one of the biggest problems we had with the short story was that yeah. it's like um, the necronomicon here i think it's necronomicon. exactly yeah. and i it is the necronomicon and i've taken the necronomicon out because it nice. was written in, <laughs> it was written it was written in 1976 so that's pre-evil dead yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so like we know about it from lovecraft but we don't know about it from evil dead yet and then once it's become evil dead that i'm like i can't do that People are going to be like, what the fuck's Necronomicon doing in there? I'm like, no, no, it's really in the story. But, you know, so I decided. So, like, for me, it's more interesting if he has, like, a Stephen King kind of, like, push power. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. I like that. Yeah. So so you have someone, so let's say he has this push power, right, where you have someone like Charlie McGee and Mm -hmm. Firestarter who's using it to take down the shop or you Mm -hmm. or or Andrew McGee, right? Or you have someone like Johnny Smith who's going to use his powers for, for big things. But then you have this character who using them just to make one person fall in love with them like Mm -hmm. that's all he wants to do with his powers so to me yes even though it's horrible and twisted and manipulative and he's in her mind and like those kind of things like you get down to the heart of it like even though it's fucked up like that room like that commitment to romance and like wanting to be with somebody so bad that you're going to do anything for it i'm like i kind of i i'm interested in exploring that part Mm. of the story yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things I think is so interesting about it and kind of where I connect to it. I'm so glad we're talking about this because this is one of my favorite stories from Night Shift. Um, and it, it's just kind of got that college nostalgia kind of vibe. I think I was kind of talking about with the raft mm-hmm. um, that I dig. I like love just when he says strawberry double dip. I'm like, yeah, oh, I want that. Um, but like, I think as somebody who's like kind of dealt with codependency in my life, like I love kind of the idea that Edward like we don't ever know who he is because all he is is what she he thinks she wants him to be and um yeah like when I was in elementary school I remember a friend I said oh I love that album and I think it was like Nuka's on the block and she's like oh no I I don't I think it's stupid and I immediately flipped around and I was like yeah I think it's stupid too and I mean I was like probably 10 but like I think a lot of my life I've spent like trying to figure out like what people want me to be and then trying to be that you know and I think it's so interesting to explore that and then from the other side like do you want to be in a relationship with someone who is just trying to please you all the time and not actually like being themselves you know where is the conflict in the relationship if all they're ever doing is trying to please you he's projecting this person that doesn't actually exist she doesn't know who's behind that but then you think about like what's his end game like is he literally just going to wear this false mask for the rest of his life with her like is that his plan because it's a terrible plan right (laughs) yeah it reminds me of that thing like in mrs mazel when she like goes to bed and like she's like this is what she really looks like when she's asleep you know yeah, I like that he's a fuck up, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think it's interesting to have a character with so much powers, but not the foresight or the 
kind of idea of like how to what to do with it and how to go forward and also like I'm interested in like what happens after this story is over mm-hmm. yeah like, what happens next yeah I was thinking about that and I was just watching uh, Sleeping with the Enemy today um, I saw that randomly <laughs> yeah I, I love that movie but it's just like I was noticing how much control the husband has in the beginning and you would almost have to get to that kind of level and it's a different type of relationship but like eventually that's going to lead to Edward resenting her because mm-hmm. he's constantly just trying to be what she wants him to be and she's a human being so she's going to change what she wants and sometimes she's just going to be in a different mood because that's what human beings do and Edward's not allowing himself to be a human being he's just trying to like put on this uh, this costume I guess if you will if we're talking about Halloween of like what he thinks the right kind of person is and it just I think it speaks to like a lot of real insecurity with him and I think sure but because he doesn't even like he doesn't even try to dress like what she wants right like he's yeah he's it doesn't get that far in his brain that like oh maybe I should not Maybe I should wear, you know, matching socks and like dress up like something she would like. Like that, mm-hmm. he doesn't even get that far. Right, right. Yeah. And like when she's not around, he like lets it slip, you know, and eventually you're going to live with this person if you get married. And it's just like all the time trying to be somebody you're not. And it just strikes me as like a really kind of immature understanding of what relationships are and should mm-hmm. be. Could you imagine it like at the end of Sleeping with the Enemy, like Patrick Bergen like pulled out the Necronomicon and was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, with that uh, music playing. Oh, uh, and then yeah, you had, like the Van Morrison scene playing also, just like you know, mm-hmm. and you see like the Necronomicon just sitting there in the background. <laughs> Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All Eighties Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Um, (laughs) Well, let's move on uh, to uh, lucky number three, my number one, Stephen King's and George A. Romero and Bernie Wrightson's <laughs> creep show. Uh, because for me, when it comes to King, it really doesn't get more Halloween than creep show. Uh, we talked about this on the crate episode a couple weeks ago, but the aesthetic of the comic, the way that Romero's movie or adaptation like absolutely mat- like matches it. It just seems so quintessential to the spooky season. I love the color scheme. I love the sordid tales. Um, I love the the macabre endings and the, the the tone in this. It's mm-hmm. just everything that I seek out and prioritize during Halloween season. And I already had mentioned this line before, but it's bite sized tales with my bite sized candy, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And 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 especially with, I mean, hell, the first movie. Uh, you know, it takes place on Halloween. You know, you see the jack lantern in the window. But I mean, when you look at just the actual adaptations, you know, the, the comic book adaptation of it, it's a great thing to just pick up and read 
during the Halloween season when you're just under the, you know, under the covers. I wish I still had my Goosebumps light from the Scholastic calendar. <laughs> but if I did, you know, either way, I think it's a great late night read. Um, what are your thoughts on Creepshow? Caffrey? Love Creepshow. It's funny you point out the jack-o'-lantern. I guess th- this is technically a King story that takes place at Halloween then. I guess the stories mm-hmm. within don't quite. But yeah, I and I... I think I just, I, I, I can't remember which rank I had this at, but it was high up there for me because it's anthology horror, right? Um, and mm-hmm. once again, I know we talked about it, but the Bernie Wrightson artwork and the fact that this is actually in a comic book, like th- what they do with Creepshow is they took inspiration from the EC Comics and then they turn it into an EC Comic, essentially. So I feel like you're, in a way, getting to read what inspired Stephen King to start doing what he's doing, and, and Bernie Wrightson as well. And it's it's fun, too, because the comic book actually has these little interludes by the creep um, where, you know, the creep doesn't talk in the in the movie or the TV show, but in the comic you get to see him making all sorts of stupid Cryptkeeper-esque puns, which I totally associate with Halloween. From what I remember, I think in uh, something that tied you over the creep is like, he might have like a snorkel and mask on or something like that. There's <laughs> there, you get to see, I, I almost feel like you get to see more of the fun framing device stuff than you do in the movie. I'm trying to remember if the comic, I don't think the comic does do the framing story. Does it though? Like of the father and of Tom Atkins. And, it doesn't uh, No, It's right, just yeah. the straight. I mean, you see the kid on the cover of the comic, but the actual book itself is just straightforward. The stories. Yeah. yeah and um, I think too, because you actually see, yeah, it's funny. You see the comic that you get to read in the movie, you know, like it's the mm-hmm. same cover and everything. So yeah, it just, it feels like classic anthology horror in a way that so if even other anthologies don't. And so I think that's why I really associate with Halloween. Jen, what about you? Yeah, this is, and I just watched this for the first time recently. Um, it's just so much fun. And I think, um, like, we just did on Psychoanalysis, we just did Trick or Treat, um, which I think that kind of was very inspired by Creepshow. And we talked about how, like, I want to be spooky scared. I don't want to like anything that's going to like tap into my like existential dread or like make me really question like my place in the world. I just want to watch some like fun shit go down um, and be like spooked and then have no connection to my life. And this one, it really delivers on that there. I don't love the bugs, but um, they uh, it's it is like bite sized horror. It's like you're you're going through your Halloween candy and you got your Reese's cup and you got your your almond joy and your Snickers bar and it's like a little taste of everything without. And I think it's the reason that I love Stephen King short stories so much is that you don't have to follow the logical thread all the way through the story. Like we don't need a satisfying conclusion to a lot of these things, or we don't need to like pick apart the logic that we would have to like in some of the longer stories and I think that's kind of what makes it fun is it's just like spooky and it's just like I, I don't care what happens to the the equipment that's set up on the beach and like who cleans that up mm-hmm. you know I'm just thinking about how fun it is when I watch it you know I like the I have this image of just this person that like Nielsen hires <laughs> and it's just like you know like uh his little his uh, little renfield yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly uh-huh. like go clean it up uh, you know it's like uh, tech support yeah <laughs> yeah you know it's like can i te- keep these uh you know tvs it's like they won't work uh right. you know they've been underwater <laughs> uh julia what, what are your thoughts on creep show i think it's great i haven't read the comic book but i love the movie i think george romero and stephen king together is a delight for mm. everybody i think they work really well together and mm-hmm. i think they both understand the necessity for the violence and the gore. Cause I think sometimes the Stephen King, like TV adaptations, uh, 
don't give the gore as much as you need because yeah, I think I his the thing about King is like so the gore the violence has to be so shocking that it's something that will really and I think Romero does the exact same thing so I think that they fit really well together and I think this is kind of you know horror anthologies are fun like party movies as well because it's something yeah. like you can sit yeah. you can watch one and then you don't have to watch the next one if you don't want to but like if you come in mid short you're going to be fine and like you know i'm i sit down and watch everything from front start to finish i'm not that kind of person but i'm just saying if you are that kind of person and want just a little small bite at a party or whatever like this would be perfect mm-hmm. yeah i agree well i think i even had this my no, no halloween parties this year obviously but i think we in austin we would do a big halloween party every year and i think i put this on last year just because yeah, yeah it's and and it, it's very visually stimulating too mm-hmm. and the stories are short so i feel like if you're mm-hmm. even if you are just watching and passing or walking by you're gonna look and be like oh cockroaches crawling out of a man's skin oh what's that weird <laughs> ape thing in a, in a crate yeah it's just mm-hmm. you don't need a lot of context to appreciate it no not at all well if you want more creep show you could listen to our crate episode on uh, the, the old creep uh from a couple of weeks ago and uh also our creep show ranking uh, from back in 2017, we a lot of creep show on this podcast. <laughs> When's that? Uh, uh, the new special comes on. It's tomorrow, it comes out right? t- or tonight uh, yeah. at midnight. Tonight yeah, uh, at midnight t- the 29th. I, yeah, so it should be either tonight at midnight or tomorrow during the day, uh, nice. sometime. Um, and that's Survivor type, right? It is Survivor type, and uh, Joe Hill's twittering of I can't remember the name of the the, the title, but it, it deals with like zombies at a carnival, um, and it's told all through the the Twitter account. Of uh, oh, a wow. young teenage girl, so it's it's pretty cool. Watch it, loved it. Uh, we should have a spinoff episode on it. Um, still tentative right now, but um, yeah, lots of fun. But also a lot of fun is our number two choice here, <laughs> and this is number one for uh, Caffrey. So please, why was this your number one? Um, and are you afraid of vampires? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. Vampires don't really scare me that much, but they do scare me. And Salem's Lot. <laughs> yes, which is, which is our one. number two. And I forgot to say the title there. Uh, and I realized that right after I uh, pitched it over to you. So thank you for It, it was funny because I, um, I was trying to think, wait, what did I put for number one? I just, I just say, oh, yes. The, oh, oh, yes. Uh, Lissy story. Um, my, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, something I love about Salem's Lot is... I, I, I get kind of tired of the ro- the notion of the romantic vampire, and I feel like in Salem's Lot, mm-hmm. Stephen King is just showing the parasitic vampire, which is actually uh-huh. closer to what Dracula was. Like, the whole mm-hmm. romance, love is eternal thing is not in the original Dracula story, and it just shows the corruption of this small town, which was maybe getting corrupted already between all the nasty secret shit that we see. But the reason that I chose... I mean, it's it's... I don't know. I'm, like, back and forth on whether this or Dead Zone or Pet Cemetery is my favorite Stephen King book, but Part of why, so I just like the book anyway. But part of why I picked it for fall, for you know an October read is because, like Pet Cemetery, I think it's just very viscerally terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. The way the vampire yeah. lore unfolds, and then the way they show how messed up this town is. And also, am I am I completely wrong in thinking that the scene where um, the Glick brothers go home from Mark Petrie's house is that on Halloween? I know they're. I thought going, it was Halloween. I it, think it I is. couldn't remember. I know I when know they're, they're walking going, through the woods. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I know they're going to look, going to his house to look at the uh, Universal Classic Monsters that he's painted. I know that's why they're going there, but I can't remember if it's on Halloween or not. But the point is, it feels like Halloween, mm-hmm. and it is another fall story. And then I don't know. I like to read this in the fall, and then read one, reread one for the road in the winter, since that's very much a winter horror. Yeah. Story. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I'm, and I know I keep hammering this home, but once again, I'm all about co- covering those classic monsters during Halloween, and this does that. We have a werewolf story, 
we have a vampire story here. I guess it kind of covers all of them, right? Like you could mm-hmm. just read it and you get <laughs> the Gilman, <laughs> Werewolf Mummy, Vampire, Rodan, uh, Jaws. I mean, it just goes on and on. But yeah. yeah, so Salem's Lot, I mean, on top of just being scary, it just feels like such a fall story to me. And it was one, of, it was the first like adult Stephen King novel I read. I mean, I read Cycle to Wear Up, but it was the first kind of really hefty true blue Stephen King novel I read. Um, so I think it's always just going to scare the shit out of me a little bit. But yeah, st- it's strong stand for Salem's Lot. I love it. <laughs> I love Salem's Lot. And it's, it was actually in my uh, top five as well. And um, I, I think one of the reasons why is because the haunted house. I mean, we've, mm-hmm. the, the oh, Marston yeah, house is, is literally, <laughs> it's, it's literally what is in every neighborhood across America. It's that one house that you heard a story about and that story has become legend, and that story has become neighborhood folklore, and we all have them. I mean, growing up, we had a few of them uh, in South Florida, where I'm from, and uh, one of them, for me, was actually pretty dark and disturbing. Uh, there was one where I think like two brothers um, like killed themselves uh, in one of the the rooms or something like that, or there was this huge. Um, something happened outside in the yard and for me it's like not even an urban legend anymore it's like fragments of a it's like the tell it's like a game of telephone if the telephone was smashed to pieces so i don't even remember (laughs) it anymore but like growing up i remember like always riding by the house and just being like so so creeped out uh by it and the marston house just exemplifies that in the sense that it literally is watching over the town like it's like norman bates house in Mm -hmm. psycho it's and that's one of the things i love about the story is that you know, you get the history of the Marston House, and then you see the town that unfolds below. But that Marston House is always watching over, and there's mm-hmm. that—that that is so intrinsically Halloween to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're trick or treating, like you—you're like, dude, do you do you go up to the house? Do you go up to the house to see if they have candy? Do you go up to the house to see if you're going to see a ghost? Yeah. Do you go up to the house to you know impress your friends? Like that was mm-hmm. so part of my like upbringing. And I think that's something that's still timeless, you know. Um, Jen, what, what what are your thoughts on Salem's Lot? Um, well, this was not in my top five, but it would definitely have been in my top ten. Um, and I think I've I've talked about how much I love his short stories for Halloween. And this one actually kind of has the best of both worlds because the vignettes of the town almost kind of have that short story feel. Mm-hmm. And we kind of check back in with them and then we have the characters and that's it's just so fascinating. Um, but I think one of my fi- my scariest scenes that he's ever written is in this book, and it's um, the when Matt is on the stairs and he hears something upstairs in yes. his guest bedroom, and he's like, "No, I know my house. That's not a creak that yeah. normally makes." And it's just it's terrifying. But in that like creeping kind of dreadful way um but it's just such a contained monster story too that it doesn't kind of take me to like the the super like depressive place that pets or the heavy place that pet yeah. cemetery does it's you know sp- it's still strictly spooky you know yeah mm-hmm. it and never a- quite crosses the line over into really heavy you know? no because it's still so pulpy i mean like we yeah. one of the biggest complaints we had on the the salem's lot episode uh, way way back in 2017 <laughs> uh was ben mears and just that he oh, is yeah. literally an archetype and <laughs> not even a real mm-hmm. archetype it's just this like kind of um hero mode of kang where he's like, all right, I'm going to be a bestseller blockbuster author, author with like weavy, you know, nice, gorgeous hair, and you know, uh, walk yeah. in and stroll with these blockbuster Chambray novels, shirt. and it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and so it, it it feels like out of its, it feels out of reality in the way that Pet Cemetery doesn't, if that makes yeah. any sense. But yeah, and I want to say too, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that heavy 
horror because I oh, love yeah, no, that. No. It's just not necessarily what I want for Halloween. So just mm-hmm. you know. No, that makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. My disclaimer. <laughs> Julia, uh, yes. do you do you sink your teeth into? Um, so Ben Mears, yeah, not one of my favorite characters. He's yeah. a little milk toast, in my opinion. But you know who is cool? Mark Petrie's pretty yes. fucking cool. Yes, yeah, he's awesome. So he's, he's like one of my favorite kid. Yeah, he's one of my favorite because he kind of fits into that weirdo kid thing I was talking about, right? Where like he's a little bit weird. He likes horror movies and some, you know. But he's such a badass in the end, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. The other thing I like about this story is, to me, Dracula's cool. But Renfield is the one I'm talking about. Like, mm-hmm. he's so much more interesting to me than mm-hmm. the actual vampire of this. And Renfield never really, you know, he ne- he always is promised his just rewards. And he never gets his, you know, his, mm-hmm. the, the master never wonderfully rewards him. And I'm kind of always more interested in Renfield's story. And so with this, you get Stryker, who is like his Renfield. And that's mainly about him, right? Like, you don't mm-hmm. barely ever see Barlow, but you see Stryker all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's cool to have a story that is in a way about his Renfield, who's a, a lot more, you know, sane and on top of things <laughs> than mm-hmm. Renfield actually is. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a cool way to go about a vampire story. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting, too, because looking back, and I was thinking about, you know, well, which one in the Salem's Lot lore am I going to put on there? It made me realize, like, wow, like, King really did create the his first cinematic universe so to speak is in salem's lot mm-hmm. you know yeah. like when you really think about come it back in some some big ways later on that we won't spoil that's but, true yeah <laughs> yeah uh well look let's i'm getting a little cold in salem's lot because there's a there's a snow coming through and i'd like if i'm gonna stick around in the snow I like to kind of skate around on the ice. And, uh, it's going to break. It's going to yeah. break. <laughs> got to be careful all, about that. <laughs> we got to be careful. And we got to heed the warnings of, uh, of a man named Johnny Smith. He's my teacher and he's a great English teacher. And what can I say? Um, I want to wrap him here because he's number one with <laughs> the dead zone. Um, this story it seems a little unorthodox to have it number one. It, but yet it was on three out of the four lists here. Um, so clearly it struck a nerve with us. Um, for me, what makes this so perfect for a fall read, uh, is that if you're not looking for the spooky, but you're looking for something that's seasonal, it doesn't get better than the dead zone. I mean, at first glance, the, the, the image that comes to mind for me with this book is, uh, Johnny and Sarah going to the fair. Mm-hmm. Me too. You yep, know, same here. with the it's, wheel. Yes. Right. And like, that's it feels so, the most fall, even if it's yes. not the, the scare. Like I, I, I fall. I almost put this at number one because fall is the first. Th- when I think of mm-hmm. oh, what's the Stephen King book that in- encapsulates fall the most? It's the Dead Zone for me. But anyway, yeah, it's, keep going, Mike. It's so strong and it's so Americana and it's so autumnal and and it's everything that I want out of this season. And I, I'm from South Florida, so you know when the fall came around, the only real way that we would actually know that it was fall was you know if I looked at my fucking calendar, and then also <laughs> if I went to like Walgreens or Eckerd's, I mean Eckerd's, CVS, and I saw that there was like you know Halloween decorations and whatnot, and uh, so I never really got that cold breeze until I I think it was like when I moved to Tallahassee, but it's something that I really experienced here in Chicago for the last thirteen years, and it's my favorite thing in the it's it's my favorite thing. It's I love when I step outside and you you never know when it's gonna hit, but when it mm-hmm. hits, it's the best feeling ever. And my mom, my, and like immediately, I usually like go, "Oh my god, it's here!" And then I like fumbled my phone <laughs> and I put on like Laurie's theme from John Carpenter or whatever, and I'm just like walking around being like, "Oh, I love Haddonfield." Um, but you know, when I think about Fall and Stephen King, all I want to do is just go back 
to that perfect day in Cleves Mills with Sarah and Johnny, which is so big and so essential to this story because it's everything that he goes back to from until the very end. It's it's when his life was perfect and he can never go back to it. And it there's and that's what adds to so much of the tragedy. And it's kind of perfect that the ending finds you know spoiler alert um finds sarah in you know in the graveyard during the fall and mm-hmm. um and it goes kind of full circle um so yeah i, I don't know i mean I, I actually really do think that the dead zone is like the perfect number one because again like i was saying if you don't want something too scary you don't want something too spooky this is it you know and also hey we're one week away from the election and <laughs> what a great yep. book to read on that uh julia <laughs> what are your thoughts on the dead zone uh, I really, really like it. And uh, last autumn when I was in Maine, The Dead Zone was the book that I was reading while I was there. Oh, so perfect. I, yeah. I actually got to go to Pownall where he lives like during it and I was losing my goddamn mind. I was so excited. I was like, nobody's excited to be in Pownall but me. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so the thing is, is that with the movie, I had actually avoided it for a very long time because... I didn't like David Cronenberg and I didn't like Christopher Walken. And I know mm, that those mm-hmm. that's shocking, both of those things to say. Hey, but I- I'm with you on Cronenberg. But not, not <laughs> the dead zone turned me around on both of them. Whoa. And I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I was like, OK, I get them both now. I'm on, mm-hmm. on board now. And so I was like, if a mo- that's pretty good for a movie, right? Because I've been avoiding Cronenberg and Walken for years. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'm because I guess in the beginning, when you see Christopher Walken reading uh, Sleepy Hollow and he's so dorky and adorable. And I'm like, I've never seen that side of him before. I'm kind <laughs> I like it. You know, and of course, you know, he's going to go insane. But I, I, you know, I'm always a fan of any book where someone's got the kind of mental powers of any sort. Those are kind of my favorite. Sam. And, and to have this where it's so involuntary and he doesn't want it and it gives him pain and he feels like he's dying when it happens. And like, there's all these things that you have this amazing gift, but it's actually this also terrible curse. And like you're fighting, you know, and he ends up being this kind of hermit and staying away from people because it's, it's something that he can't really control. So I think it's, it's an interesting thing to play with and how terrifying that would be for him to, to, to have to, to shelter yourself away after being, you know, in a coma for however many years and losing everyone you love really it's Mm -hmm. such a tragic story it's and i don't think he's ever really written a similar tragic story to like strike the same nerve until like maybe 11 22 63 yeah that's Mm -hmm. what i was gonna say that feels like the one that's the biggest companion piece to dead zone much more epic too but also similar Mm -hmm. that it's they both feel very fall like to me they both have Mm -hmm. horrific elements but aren't full-on horror novels i don't think and Mm -hmm. they they have i think king's two best romances at, at the center. I, I, mm-hmm. I, and, and that, I don't know, it's almost hard to like make a, a compelling romance in a horror novel. I actually think that's, that's kind of harder to do than, than do the scary stuff, which King seems like he can, you know, do at the drop of a hat. But those two love stories, I just, man, I always love going back to this. And I, and I, and I think the love and the relationship is one of the reasons why I associate so much with the Halloween spooky seasons is, I, I don't know if it's, just serendipitous or whatever it was or there is a god and just happens to be the time that i meet people but all it all if not like most if not all of my relationships have happened or struck up during the fall season Mm -hmm. and i think that if you look at it narratively and thematically like from literature usually it's summer i think it's supposed to be that's like the you know the but more isn't romantic. spring when everybody's supposed to be twitter painted that is true yeah that's so true it's that's like true. spring into summer and i guess uh, i imagine fall is like it's like uh when 
that's when things get you know it's supposed to be like the adolescence maybe or not even adolescence mm. i think that's summer i i'm messing up all the themes that what a great <laughs> english major here i'm glad i have a master's in it um but I, I i do think that for me it's i associate romance so much with this season and i think mm-hmm. it's because it's really the part of nature where it just kind of you know nature is able to flex its muscle and be a little romantic itself Mm -hmm. Um, people are ready for harvesting is that mm -hmm. what you're thinking yeah (laughs) i think so yeah uh jen what what do you think about the dead zone what are your thoughts on this book well this i am the one who uh did not have this on my list I, i it's not my favorite although i have heard so many of you like talk so impassionedly about it i'm just gonna have to reread it because i feel like there's something that i'm missing this is um, my favorite book of i think this is a just, 10 out of 10 i just imagine jen rereading it and tossing over her shoulder like god those guys are idiots <laughs> like, what, what, are you ta- what are they talking about <laughs> uh, well maybe i'll listen to it um yeah i i like it the the thing that i really enjoyed when i've read it um i really like the frank dodd storyline yeah mm-hmm. um it's mm-hmm. like it, i mean it is disturbing and i'm not saying i like what happens and what he does but it's very like creepy and like i just imagine like a, a shadowy figure by the bandstand out in the darkness Oof. and and then like i uh, maybe I need to watch it again and it'll turn me around on Cronenberg, but I just have this image of him with the scissors. And I know that yep. that's not oh, yeah. in the book, it's but a, just yeah. it's so like visceral. Like I can't like think about Frank Dobb without thinking about those scissors. You and know? I think I think about Cujo when I think about Frank Dobb. Me too. Honestly. I was literally <laughs> just going to make a Frank. It was like, oh, before he became Cujo. Um, yeah. Well, and that lurking in the closet thing is so that's like a very spooky kind of Halloween, like under the bed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I actually almost like put boogeyman. Cujo. I almost put Cujo in this list just because of the boogeyman in the closet. But then I was thinking, oh, it's like, so it's so, it's so, um, it leans so much on the heat that yeah. it is definitely yeah, a summer book. Um, yeah. But uh, what are the thoughts on Dead Zone? Anyone want to chime in on it? All right. Well, <laughs> that's our top ten. Uh, and as I promised, constant listeners, uh, I'm going to share your top ten. Uh, we got our lists. I did a prompt on all our socials, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, if you've ever heard of them. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I took all the responses and I drilled it down into a list. And here is your top 10. Number 10, One for the Road. Okay. Num- number nine, good. The Boogeyman, <laughs> which I'm actually surprised we didn't have that because we really love that short story. Yeah. Boogeyman is so ugly, though. I love the Boogeyman. I mean, I guess the raft is ugly, too, but the Boogeyman is just... Uh, it's not it's fun. It's ugly horrible. with kids. Yeah. yeah, it's the kid. Yeah, but I, I do love the Boogeyman. It's great. Um, mm-hmm. Number eight, The Shining, which, hey, we've... I think it was uh, a couple years ago. Maybe it was John Squires from Bloody Disgusting. He talked about how it was officially a, like a Halloween movie because it takes place on Halloween. But yeah, it's true. They, my favorite scene, one of my favorite written passages in King lore, uh, lore in King catalog, uh, is when they are left alone at the overlook and uh-huh. he kind of lingers in that false set. I love it. Um, in the porch, it's, um, like in the belly of a monster. Yeah. It just, Oh, it's so gorgeous. I it's wonder a, if, Oh, sorry, Mike. Good. No, no, go for it. Go for it. Well, I was going to say, I know we've only heard three so far, but I wonder if the listeners are maybe, maybe their criteria for the best Halloween stories are simply the scariest ones. Because the three they've picked yeah. so far are very, they're very just frightening. And that our, our lists didn't consist entirely frightening well, things. So I'm wondering, you, I wonder if that's where we're headed. We'll see. Hey, look, I think you might be right, Kathy, because, uh, and I certainly <laughs> know that Jen's going to agree with, because number seven is N. Woo! Oh, nice, man. N is, would you, would, yeah, that's awesome. 
Would you consider that one of the scariest stories, though, too? Or I think, yeah, it's up definitely. Actually, yeah, I think it may be the scariest story for me. Oh, wow. Okay. It's well, a, I know yeah, it's, it's scary. Yeah. The next one isn't the scariest story for me because I think it's a fun story. Um, and uh, we talked a lot about him. I love Corey Haim, and I like Cycle <laughs> of the Werewolf, which is number six on the constant listener tally. Um, hey, we had that in ours. Uh, number five, <laughs> we got the whole cinematic universe on here. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Jerusalem's Lot. I'm not hey, a huge. Oh, are creepy. oh okay. Yeah. So yeah, I can I'm see not, it, though. I can see it. I mean, I think it's a lot about harvest season, so it makes sense. I'm not a huge mm-hmm. fan of this book because mostly I just don't really like Lovecraft outside of Colorado Space. So mm-hmm. um, I remember reading this in Night Shift, and I'm always like, "All right, let's go. Let's, that's a wrap." It is um, weird that that's the first story because it's it's so esoteric in a way. I, I do yeah. like Jerusalem's Lot, but it's kind of it's not definitely probably the least attention grabbing story in Night Shift. I also don't think he ever really gets a grip on what he's actually like visualizing in the church. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I, I, I've reread that so many times, and I'm like, "What the fuck are you like?" It's like almost <laughs> like a work. prelude to the Dark Tower passages, where I'd read I'd read passages on the Dark Tower, and I feel like I was in the jaunt where I would just like reread p- passages, like, "What is he talking about here? What is he talking about? Like, what does this description mean?" Um, should have got a sketch. I should got some padded paper and some crayons and, and try to draw what I was actually <laughs> visualing. But um, hey, number four, it. Also hey. on our list. Nice. <laughs> uh, in fact, all the rest of them are on our list. Uh, so number four is it. Uh, number three, Grandma. How about Ooh. that? Uh, number t- number two, uh, somebody give me a cigarette and a six pack because I'm going to go talk to Judd. We're talking <laughs> Pet Cemetery at number two, <laughs> and number one, Caffrey's number one, Salem's Lot. Yes. Ah, we got Wait, Jerusalem's so- Lot and Salem's Lot yeah. and One for the Road. Yeah, all the, on the list. Oh. The whole oh, cinematic universe. It's wild. Stamping out. <laughs> Wait, wait, so how many common choices do we have with the concert listeners? We had Cycle the Werewolf and Sam's Lot. We had, let's it, see, one, and, two, and Grandma. three, four, five, six. Six out of ten, not bad. That's, yeah. that's pretty good line. Wait, so they did not have the dead zone, huh? No, so here's the, the rest of them. The rest of them, so 11's the stand. Uh, 12 is Uncle Otto's truck. Yay! That would have been in my top 10. <laughs> Man, I, I love Uncle Otto's truck. truck. It's, like so, it's ridiculous. Like it. It's That's so, so creepy. Uh, Uncle, Uncle Otto's truck and One for the Road are on the Dollar Baby program, just <gasps> FYI. Ooh. You know what's funny about One for the Road being on there? We actually interviewed someone that was trying to do a dollar baby for one for the road back in like 2017. It was before you left Caffrey. Um, you know, I was, I was on that one. It was, um, he reached out to us. I, I, you know, I actually went to the website and it's uh, taken down. Unfortunately, Uh, he was trying to get, he was trying to get Lance Henriksen and Danielle Harris for, and I, Mm. it seemed like it was confirmed. There were news stories on and everything, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing it just fell through like those things sometimes do. The problem with that short story to adapt it is that it is so dependent on having snow Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you're a fan of Leonardo DiCaprio, like I am, who's my number one crush, <laughs> I love him to death, my favorite actor. Um, he's the he's America's uh, playboy. Um, he's your he's your favorite more than Christian Slater. He is my favorite. Yeah, I he's love done more, him. More I, Christian good. Slater is my number one. Is, is 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 I have a crush of guys that's Luke Perry, Christian Slater, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Clearly, Leo's done played. the best like roles. He's he's <laughs> he's got the best filmography. <laughs> I, had, I had I had posters on my wall of Leo for years. He's amazing. I, that I Romeo and Juliet poster. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yum. What a confusing era for me because I was like, <laughs> I was like, I love Claire Danes and I love Leo. Let's just let's just all get together and, and listen to disco. Um, I'm at that party, man. That sounds dope. That sounds uh, great. Sounds, yeah, yeah, bring Mercutio okay. in there too. I, I, it's funny. I, I always go back and have to go on another tangent, but um, one of my biggest regrets in life 
is when my cousin, um, who looks like Winona Ryder, she's the coolest person ever. Um, she was just like, let's go to the movies tonight. And I was like, okay, fine. And everyone at school was talking about high school high. And I was like, we got to go see high school high. It's going to be funny. John Lovitz is in it. He's in, you know, SNL. <laughs> and, and so we went to go see, and she was like, well, I think we should go see Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, oh, I don't want to see Romeo and Juliet. Cause I didn't even know who was in it. I was just like, I was young. I was like maybe 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And I remember her being like, no, like Romeo and Juliet, we should go see this. And I was like, no, I want to go see High School High. So I like, dragged her to go see High School High. And then she like, gave me shit about it. And then a year later, I saw Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, fuck, I should have seen this on the big screen. I was like obsessed. should have just movie hopped, man, and yeah. saw both. Yeah. I know. I should have. And, 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 but I, I think every time I put it on, every time I like, hear like Gavin, uh, you know, uh, I can't remember his last name. Gavin Fr- Sat Friday, I think. Gavin Friday's Angel comes up. Because the, the soundtrack is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Like I, I, I actually wore it out so much that I actually had to rebuy a repurchase the the soundtrack for Romeo and Juliet, but um, it's so good. Huge awakening so for good. me. Huge awakening for me. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um, Uncle Otto's truck at number twelve. <laughs> 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 um, number smooth. Th- that was yeah. a, that was a smooth transition. <laughs> Tried right. to keep it that way. Uh, some other ones. <laughs> Night Flyer at thirteen. Hey, there you go, Caffrey. Ugh, that's um, my favorite. I love Night yeah, Flyer. Love Night Flyer. Uh, I love Miguel Ferrer, but uh, the the book is is interesting. Um, or the, not the book, the story. Uh, we got Creep Show, Misery. I don't know if I really tie that in the Halloween. That's such um, a winter story. Yeah, I, I don't know that, that at all. Uh, and then everyone else was ones. But so, some interesting ones that I saw out of here, out of the ones, was Wizard and Glass. Mm. I don't know if I mean, I, there's I, a witch I, in I, I mean, there's I a witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's Carrie. The prom usually takes place at the end of the school year, so that doesn't really make any yeah, sense. Yeah, so it'd be like May or something. Yeah, yeah that yeah. doesn't make sense You get homecoming is kind of like the prom. <laughs> it is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Big stretches. I, um, um, I actually, I won prom queen at my high school. <gasps> oh my oh. God. So, uh, hey, look, we got a prom queen and a prom king I was, here. I was prom oh. king at my high school. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So I, I won, and then the first, like I, I jumped up and down, I was really excited, and then I remembered where I was, and I looked up, because I was looking for the bucket. Oh. I was like, I was like, oh, it's a joke. And like looked up and I was like, oh. And then, oh, and wow. Then, so then everyone afterwards, when they were congratulating me, they're like, what were you looking at? And I was like, oh, I was looking for the bucket of pigs We, we would have <laughs> absolutely been like best friends in the school. <laughs> I, mean, I would have be- been like obsessed. Like we, we just, we would have been sitting at the like, lunch table all day just talking about the most macabre shit while everyone yes. was around us. If, just like, if someone about pigs Prince blood, like, if someone like <laughs> pigs blood in me, during prom during during prom king i would i would probably be honored that'd be kind of fun although our, our prom was in the ballroom of a convention center so there's really nowhere there are no rafters mm. or anything i did to, actually yeah. get to live on. my carrie fantasy though um i was in a horror movie called delta delta die about cannibalistic sorority girls <laughs> oh yeah i've seen the, the i've wow. seen i've seen that or not not yeah, the movie but i've seen the bo- the box or something or yeah yeah and i got covered in i got uh, covered in a bucket of blood wow wow I was very, very happy. It was very sticky, but I was like, <laughs> check that off the bucket list. Was it corn syrup, like uh, Billy Loomis was, tells us in yes, Scream? It was corn. It was corn <laughs> syrup oh, and I remember red this food, movie. red food coloring, and Diet Coke. Wow! Oh, wow! Make it a little darker. Mm, wow! Mm-hmm. I, I dressed up as Ash like ten years ago, and um, I remember I had just like blood all over me. And I covered my face because I wanted to be like when he goes to the basement and he just gets covered. Uh huh. Not realizing that it was going to stain me, and oh, so no. for a, I've, oh god, it was most so embarrassing in college. I like it was his college too. So <laughs> go to these like serious 
I think I even had to like defend a paper, like standing oh, wow. up or something, because it was like close to midterms or something like that. Because yeah, you know, it was like Halloween, November. Actually, it was close, probably the finals. And I remember standing up in the class and just like having like fake blood smears like all over my like face, <laughs> oh, and wow. just, like people thinking like, what the hell is he doing? Like I can't take him seriously. Like talking about <laughs> La Dolce Vita or some shit like that. But but anyway. Um, should should we watch Delta Delta Die? I to- I used to work at Blockbuster. Yeah. I totally remember that oh. that uh, um, video box. Yeah, it's it's fun. I get to play a young Brink Stevens in it. Nice. Um, so and my scenes are taking take place uh, in the eighties. It's uh, very silly. the The weirdest part to think about the movie. So it stars Brink Stevens and Julie Strain are the Julie big Strain, stars. Man. So there's uh, she and she's insane in the movie in the best possible way. But there's this like. <laughs> If you get the DVD, there's like an extra on the DVD where it's just her taking a bath, but it's like, the, <laughs> but it's like the bath water's like it's like a very little bath water, but the bath water's kind of like murky, and you're like, I don't know, it's it doesn't look right, and she starts like drinking the bath water and like shaving her armpits. It's very fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I highly recommend you check out those extras on the DVD. That sounds yeah, amazing. I, I totally remember that. That's funny. Uh, well. Out of the other ones I saw, some of the interesting things that I, th- I think that were chosen by the listeners were stuff that were written this year. Uh, not written this year, but published this year. Uh, Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Mm, um, and The Rat. Yeah. And Rat. Oh, The Rat's like a mm-hmm. fall, <laughs> autumnal story, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. There's a little wisecracking. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there, there's some, some interesting ones, but um, yeah. some there's comments. The Reaper's Image, which is one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. yeah. That yeah, was that's in a my great top one. five. <laughs> yeah, it's a great one. Um. I'm going to read some comments. Connor uh, K312 uh, wrote, uh, to me, there's nothing better than a visit to Jerusalem's lot. Any of the stories just feel absolutely like Halloween. Also, the last third of Wizard and Glass. So now I know why Wizard and Glass was on here. Uh, Surrounding (laughs) Reap Day, to me, is closest he's actually come to writing a Halloween story. Mm. 112263 doesn't really count. All right. Um, (laughs) Sticks Villa Papa. Right, so the Dead Zone is Halloween perfection and one of his best and my personal favorite endings. Hey, I, I agree with you, <laughs> Sticks. Um, Where's our Johnny Smith now? That's what I want to know. I know, Jesus uh, mm-hmm. Christ. Who's um, going to save us? I know. I, yeah, I, I got to be on Tuesday. I, I, I got to pivot away from this conversation because I've gotten <laughs> lots of trouble uh, talking about our current uh, commander in chief. Uh, we get a lot of uh, negative reviews, and um, and you're, uh, you many, are you've been blocked by him, right? I have That's been blocked a... by him because I spent oh, wow. uh, three months when he got elected um, uh, correcting everything and including a <laughs> unflattering <everything>. photo. <laughs> Um, so I've actually managed to go four years. I got blocked early on. It was like I think it was January 2017. I got blocked. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, wow. fun times. You were—I um, think you were the first person like I knew personally to get blocked by him. I feel like they start blocking people pretty left and right after that. But uh, yes, I, I would be proud. I will say it has—it's effective because I never know what's happening until it starts trending because I don't mm. see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually have to go on the Losers Club account <laughs> to see it, which we've actually <laughs> muted his tweets. But I—I mm. I have to go on to be able to see it, or I go in like incognito. Um, mm. But yeah, hey, it works. Um, can I can I ask you guys a question, Losers? Yeah, Club? yeah, yeah. Who's your favorite loser? Ooh. Oh, in in the in uh, you mean amongst in, us it, or in the novel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, choose your favorite ho- co-host. Yeah. Go. I meant in the novel. Yeah, I'm an Eddie, I'm an Eddie Casbrett girl myself. Oh yeah, I, Bev hands down for me. Yeah. I love her. yeah, I'm a Ben Hanscom is my favorite. Mm. It, it, it's funny because we always peg Mac as like a Ben Hanscom, but I feel like you're the Ben Hanscom. Oh, thank you. I love that. I um, love that. I take that as a compliment. I I like him because I feel like we get 
Well, that's not true. I mean, we get to really know all of them pretty ben well. Ben and Bev's love story is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Ben is just the most... I mean, it's like we were saying before, I, I feel like on one hand, I'm like, oh, Bill is great, but then Bill does, as as an older character, fall into some of the Ben Mears, you know, generic hunky writer thing that, yeah. that King yeah. likes to do. Um, whereas Ben, I feel like, just has a more interesting arc because of, of mm-hmm. him being overweight when he was a kid and the insecurities he still holds with that and just, yeah, just his overall journey I, I really love. What, what's, what I love to you? What to you about Eddie is... Uh, is um, he- it's the same as like all the other characters i mentioned right you have this like really adorable weak character who's like he's (laughs) kind of messed up and you kind of want to take care of him Mm -hmm. and like he's like he fits right in that stereotype and to me like he's the most losery loser of the losers that is true so you know he's so weak he's got the psychosomatic asthma going on and like he's like (laughs) overcome by his mother and you know he's just he's the most afraid all the time so like Mm -hmm. even before anything scary is happening he's already afraid Right. Because his mother has like conditioned him to be afraid. Uh So I think that that's I I don't know. There's something about it. So like it was so. So when I read it in junior high, I made my other friends read it, which is, you know, a big (laughs) task, like eleven hundred pages. And we all had like it nicknames. And so uh, my friend was Bev and I was Eddie and we would like write each other notes and our loser club names and like the whole bit. So. Eddie is very special to my heart. Well, we are very connected in that way because uh, for the longest time, I was uh, calling myself Trashmouth Rothman. It's a big point of contention. And uh, we've literally had heated debates about this on our like text threads. And like I've like been like, I'm not talking to these people ever again. And... Um, and because like I, I would consider myself trash mouth because I just like I just like making jokes and puns. But really, and everyone pretty much agrees with it, is that I am the Eddie Kasback of the group because I'm OCD. I am anxious as hell. Um, I'm really good with maps. Uh, I <laughs> like if I go to one location once, I'm like pretty good about it. It's just because I spent mm. so much time growing up in the backseat of my parents' cars. And I, I would just like memorize wherever we were going. So like, but at the same time, like. I really love Mike Hanlon. Um, and yeah. I, and the thing I love about Mike Hanlon and something that is going to sound like me tooting my own horn or whatever, but like I, so much of my life and so much of this podcast is dedicated like to like me just trying to like burn the midnight oil with a lot of things and, mm-hmm. you know, stick around and archiving and to, things too. And like, archiving yeah. I mean, things even and starting the site you did. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is. And so like the idea of, of Hanlon like taking on that role is something that I really like, connect with and also there you know i'm look i'm not black but i'm i'm jewish and i went to a catholic school and you know i've been held up and i've been choked i've been held up in knives and um i was called jew bagel on the swim team and um you know i, I felt you know not to say like you know i, I understand i get the idea of being surrounded by people that like treat you like you're an other and mm-hmm. so for me when rereading it and in 27 or 2018 jesus christ mike um <laughs> in 2018 when i reread it like i actually found myself like aligning a little bit more with uh my Hanlon just because it was it, it i i know what it was it felt like to be surrounded by people that you know hate you and then to finally meet someone like meet people that actually like take you in um and i'll never forget it i'll never forget be going to college and having spent so much time in all these fucking Catholic schools and Christian schools growing up and Episcopalian schools and whatever. And the only reason why I did it is because my parents, my parents are teachers and they were like, you're not going to public school in Florida. So I was like, okay, great. Um, awesome. I'll go to Catholic school, uh, with Rothman as my last name <laughs> and long hair. Awesome. <laughs> and I'm overweight. And like, this is just like mark every box, like 
Great. Awesome. And so, you know, when I went to college and I'll know, and meeting Caffrey, it's funny because Caffrey and I met and we didn't like each other at first because he liked the <laughs> Dawn of the Dead remake and I didn't. And and I, we were at Chili's, which is a great establishment if you've ever been there. Um, <laughs> bottomless chips and, and wonderful uh, drinks. Uh, but I remember meeting Caffrey and I had spent a whole weekend just like arguing online on the moviemaniacs.net message board about Dawn of the Dead. And the remake and I was just like well I love the, re- the the original one and this one gets it all wrong even though I like actually did kind of like a lot of it but I just was such a fucking shit about it and I remember being at Chili's and like we fought and yeah. we actually didn't align and then once we did it was like my mind blew up and I felt like and I, I sorry for this whole long diatribe but it felt literally like the scene when Mike Hanlon runs from the bullies and goes to the, the losers mm. and he realizes like holy shit I'm with like minded people and I understand like they, they accept me and they, they like me because when we did connect like I'll never forget we were standing next to the campfire was right after Team America and I was like this is the most comfortable I've ever felt in my entire life because I've, I'm actually meeting I'm actually meeting people that can literally spend like 80 minutes talking about like fucking you know deputy hunt from halloween 2 like that's insane like i mean it's just it was wild and that was a big deal for me and mm-hmm. and that's what started this podcast it's like it, it's honestly like when we we would sit around and we'd spend hours and hours when we lived in chicago all together and we were like why don't we just do this and like just for fun as a lark and that's honestly where it's came, came from anyway sorry to go on a look at, on no there. but look at look but, at you now look at yeah, you right? look, look look where you are now it's it's um, wild, you know, but um, but yeah, the it, it is weird. I've gotten really, it, and that's one of the reasons why I love Chapter Two, even though everyone on the pod, like I think Kathy's yeah, the only. Yeah, I love Chat Week. You like it, but I, I like it. I'll, no. I'll never forget mm-hmm. being in the movie theater no, last you're not, year. You're not too, Julia. <laughs> yeah. I, I was nope. literally, I was literally crying in the theater because, for me, I just personalize it so much because we started the podcast the same year that it came out, and it really encapsulated the idea of this friendship and feeling and like the connection. And, and I remember like Randall and Mac hated it chapter two and I, and I get it. And it's not a great movie and there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, that suck. But the thing that still hits me is the idea of, of everyone being separate and coming together. And at the time it was a big deal for me because, you know, so many of us had moved and that comfortability that I was discussing before wasn't there, you know, and, and it is there whenever we get on the mic and we talk about, you know, Stephen King. And so for me, it was a big deal, and 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 I and I and I and it just hit me a little harder. And so, like for me, like one of the reasons why I get so defensive and so like personal about the podcast sometimes, but especially with just this, is that like maybe it's just me playing Halloween myself. But I find myself it just it feels like this is like the Losers Club, and like mm-hmm. for me, like the the Pennywise or whatever is the reality. That we kind of tried to escape from <laughs> because we did, uh-huh. especially this you know. year too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this anyway, this sorry year for is that like, diatribe. No, no, that's yeah, that's great. Wait, but Jen, did you say who who your favorite loser was? Mine is Bev. Uh-huh. I love her. It's kind of like, and I've talked about this a little bit before. I've just kind of had similar men in my life, and I love that um, she is kind of empowered, you know. And I, I mean, there are some problems with her character in the book, and I kind of just overlook those now and take what I I want from the character. And um, but I just, I just love her so much. Um, yeah. She she throughout my life, she's kind of given me a lot of strength and inspiration. Um, but like thinking about like the Losers Club, it's I was just thinking like 
this is kind of the first couple of episodes where I think I'm kind of starting to really feel like I'm kind of one of the gang, you know, like it took me a while to kind of believe that I was actually like on episodes and like, Mike, I know I would like message you after we were done. I was like, are you sure everybody doesn't hate me? No, and it just like, it's like kind of that, that click. And it was like, I just, I found like my people and like, I just love talking like who could talk for forever about these minute characters in Stephen King's work. It's just like I didn't have that. I, I don't really have that in my life around me outside of this. And I just love it so much. Yeah. I mean, it um. really is like the best <laughs> medium for I mean, it, I love Halloweenies and I love being on, you know, the guesting on the podcast. But there is something there is something about this that's mm-hmm. like, you know, hit upon that and. And it and on, and we've talked about this before, but like you know, just even knowing you this year has just been so. Uh, God, it's just been it's wild. It's just it's it's, it's mm-hmm. I don't I, it's it's wild. It's like when I think about back in the pandemic, there are going to definitely be some things I bookmark, um, and and certainly remember from this era. But it's certainly going to be the fact that like you incorporating into this group and becoming like such a close friend. So um, look at Julia, look what you've done. Yeah. Julia, Julia's like, Jesus Christ. It just asked you who your favorite loser was. It? I know. It's just like, God, you guys are a bunch of fucking idiots. Um, no, are you kidding me? I, I, I feel so good. I feel like I, I opened everybody's heart a little bit. I'm like, oh, doesn't did. everybody want to do that with their life? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Thank uh, you. That was heartwarming to listen to. I think all your listeners will be delighted. Oh, um, this is, uh, God, this is great, fun. It's so much fun. Um, can I just mention, I just want to point out that yeah. over the last couple of times I have read it, and I've read it countless amounts of time, I've always assumed that Bill was the main character, and I now think that Richie is the main character. Mm. Mm. Yeah. If you, re- if you read it through and read his, like, with that in mind, and especially mm-hmm. the ending. Yep. I think Richie's the main character. I think so, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at 1122. Like, I was just going to say. Go back yeah. to. Yeah. 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 And Bev, because she's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That is interesting. I, I've, I've actually thought about that a lot because it's out of all the things in 1122, that's one of the things that I, that's so weird mm-hmm. that like, you know, he, Jake walks by the two of them and they're dancing, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so sweet. It's like this, yeah. this warm blanket all of a sudden just like overwhelms yep. me. Whenever yeah. I, because I'm, I'm reading everything related to the Dark Tower, right? So whenever there's anything Dark Tower related that pops up, I'm, I go, ooh. Like out loud, and then I have my little like bookmark. I have a highlighter. I'll highlight it, and then I have my little bookmarked like bookmark the book. Like here's a little, here's a reference. Mm. Yeah. I'm dying to go back and reread all the Dark yeah, Tower I mean, because yeah, I've though there's only gonna be one episode I'm on. Spoiler alert for all the constant listeners. This is kind of an inside joke for all of us, but I'm gonna put it out here. I'll probably be on the Song of Susanna episode just because it's the <laughs> only I'm the only one in the club that actually likes this book. But um, I I read it before. I finished the Dark oh, Towers. No, wait, I'm in the middle of Song of Susanna. Okay, I, spe- I won't spoil I, anything. I, I specifically stopped at the 11th stanza where they're about to meet somebody very exciting. That's mm. where I stopped to do my Dark Tower thing because I'm like, I can't. I want to mm. turn the page so everything. bad, but mm. I also want to re- prolong that moment for as long as fucking possible. Yeah, yeah. So I prolonged it for over two and a half years. So it's all- about oh that. wow, amazing! Because I really wish I remembered. I knew all of the connections. Like I knew about insomnia. And I that's knew about, like because like, like that's what's going to make the Dark Tower the ultimate read, right? Like mm-hmm. if you get every single connection. Um, that's going to make it what, you know, and I'm so excited to read the book. And then I have the Marvel omnibus after that. And I have the companions after that. Nice. 
Yeah. Can I ask a question? Like, how are you getting your connection list? Because you wouldn't want to go in with spoilers, right? Like, how do you know where there's going to be a connection that you're going to? Do, I don't. Does that make sense? I don't. And that's the thing is like when I started reading it, it's this giant literary puzzle, right? And I don't mm-hmm. know where all the pieces fit. And mm. so, but the, but the more I read, I'm like, oh, okay. The shop shows up in yep. the Tommyknockers and also shows up here. Like it shows up in a bunch of different, the, the mm-hmm. Langoliers, they mentioned the shop. So it's something like, oh, okay, now I know these books are connected. And so to me, and like, so if you go on stephenking.com, um, the, he has a list of all the official connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And then, then there's a user connection submission that has them there. And then there's some that I've made up my mind. I think personally that everything in Castle Rock and Dark and Derry are connected. Mm-hmm. But that's my that's my <laughs> opinion. So right. I've read so I'm reading everything that takes place around or mentions those towns. Ah, oh, nice. I think like Kathy, if I want to say like the, the cinematic universe thing that we did for Consequence, like a, back in twenty fourteen, mm-hmm. that's probably like a good companion for the Dark Tower. I, I think, think. So. yeah, I think so too. Because we, I mean, we, just, and it's hard too. Because like you're saying, there are a lot of connections that you could definitely make a case for. And I feel like whenever mm-hmm. King gets, and I, I remember we talked about a lot of those when we when we wrote the article. And it's been updated too. I think right. Have we, haven't we gone back and updated? Uh, like, I, I, I went back. I had to yeah. redo it because it used to just be called "Behold: The Cinematic Universe of Stephen King" or something. It was like this is the worst SEO title ever. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think I went back also because we had like release dates that like I think we're like actually now starting to like reach the midsection of the release That's the release what, yeah. dates that we had. But it, which it is, is funny wild because Stephen King. We talked about this um, on the Crimson King episode a, a little while ago. Uh, Stephen King, I feel like neither confirms nor denies if people are like, "Hey, is this a connection?" You mm-hmm. know. And and I, f- I feel like too, especially with what he does in the later Dark Tower books, it, it kind of all becomes game. And and with Derry and Castle Rock, Derry especially being confirmed as being this sort of crossroads of all these different, you know, convert of, of like beams and alternate right. universes and mm-hmm. things. Yeah, I f- yeah, I feel like they maybe have stronger connections to to um, the multiverse or all world or whatever you want to call it than than some of the other towns do. I feel bad for like you know the person that just runs a general store in Derry that has like no interest in any of this <laughs> stuff. It's like mm-hmm. Jesus. But, they, but, but I feel like everybody like kind of sort of knows, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's like everybody knows there's something wrong, but they all ignore it. Yeah. It's, it's like, like that's why they're so dismissive. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, well, look. We got to leave the stacks. Uh, <laughs> oh. We got to throw away our candy wrappers. We got to head home. Um, I want to thank everyone here for, for taking part in this uh, spooktacular episode. Um, this is the, the, the Halloween TV special of the Losers Club for 2020, and mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Julia, what's, uh, what's next for you? Um, I know that you know, the, the Indiegogo is, it's, it's closed, but they could still, you said before they could still donate. Yes. Um, how, they, how, how can they do that? So if you just look me up, I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm Julia C. Marchesi, and you can direct message me there and talk to me. I'm looking for people who want to produce a Stephen King film. The great thing about this, folks, if you donate, so part of the contract of the Dollar Baby program is that you have to send a copy of the finished film to Stephen King to watch. Sweet. So you're so I'm making this movie with the knowledge that at the end of the day Stephen King's going to watch it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> which so awesome. is which is the ultimate, right? Like and yeah. so like y- you can be a part of a movie that you know he's going to watch, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um so this is something that you can help. I'm it's not filming till next summer, so I got plenty of time. I am looking for uh fundraising. 
uh, to make this film, but it's going to be, you know, an amazing film that's not only shot on in Maine, but on the actual. So like the library they'll be in is the library from the story. So like cool. That. So, so cool. Well, awesome. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. Um, and then I also, you know, I have a horror movie podcast, Horror Movie Survival Guide that you can find on there as well. We have over 170 episodes and we break down each movie in a deep dive of. Oh, wow of we pick a movie every week um and it's and i, I want to thank you for not only letting me ramble on about stephen king for a long time which i del- <laughs> like makes me so incredibly happy <laughs> also i get to hear your heartwarming stories of how much you love each other which was great <laughs> and this is the most halloween thing i'm doing this halloween so i want to thank yeah. you for giving me the halloween oh. feels thank well, you it's awesome it's been yes. a long time coming we've been wanting to have it on the, ca- the pod for a long long time Thank you. Um, and we got to get you on Halloweenies because if you, it sounds like you breaking down some horror movies, it sounds like that's our business over there. Um, oh yeah, I take it quite seriously, as you can probably tell. Oh, and so does Justin Gerber, who leads the the squad over there. Uh, gets into Days of Our Lives trivia like nonstop <laughs> at this point. Fucking Days of Our Lives podcast at this point. Um, well, that sounds great. And we're going to have all the links in the podcast episode. So if you're listening right now on your phone and you're just sitting there and you're like, oh, what was my drink? Uh, I ordered a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> well, look at your description here because we got some links down there. And you can link it, you, you can click out. We see a real Stephen King movie being made. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jen, what do you have next coming up on Psychoanalysis? Well, we are um, finishing up Halloween. We just did an episode on Trick or Treat, with Trick or Treat, which is kind of like a comfort horror mix of like, it's kind of a little Halloween special and it was really fun. And then in November, we are talking about grief, which we are going to be kind of heavy, but we're going to try to keep it fun. And um, the first movie we're looking at there is Friday the 13th. Oh, and interesting. I- yeah, okay, and that's what I said, too, because Mike's union was the one that suggested it, and I was like, okay, what are we going to have to say? And we recorded <laughs> it last weekend, and it turned out, like, I was really, it turned out really well, It's so I'm excited to hear what people think about it, because I think yeah, we that's got into really some really deep things. interesting way to look at that uh, movie. Yeah, it it was it turned out really well. I'm really excited about it. And then we're going to be doing because grief is so heavy. We're going to do some uh, comfort horror also, and we're going to be talking about Poltergeist. Nice. And nice. we might be going back to Woodsboro. Yes. Oh well, so, I know. It, <laughs> I the, can't stay away. <laughs> look, we can't either because uh, I, I don't think anyone really got it yet. But we announced on our uh, Halloweenies episode for this week, the Tricks or Treats episode, that yeah. next mo- next year we are going to Woodsboro. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're do, we're we're breaking the format a little bit. Uh, you know, we're 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 getting Lynchian, so to speak. Um, we are we're going to be doing all uh, the Randy recommendations because you know, look, there's only four screen movies, so it's not really like a whole year. But right. we're going to be going through all the movies that influence Final and, Exam. Yes, it's going to be exact. It's going to be all of the the references that are in scream and, and i think we're gonna I'm, try it's it's gonna be a lot of fun there were a lot of opportunities to guest on there so i am <laughs> obsessed with final exam nice um to the like i, I made myself a shirt that says radish rocks um <laughs> i do the i do i actually i did the commentary on the dvd for final exam oh, wow oh my I'm god hard, yeah i am hardcore so if you want to talk about that movie i'm on board uh yes absolutely so I, I have a theory i have a fan theory about that film awesome that sounds great oh, wow. that sounds great uh, well, Caffrey, my head hurts. I need to go to bed. <laughs> Give me some ASMR, or should I say some slay SMR? What's next? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, I actually, it's funny. I had planned everything through October. Um, I just did, if you want to see me playing Dr. Loomis talking to Michael Myers, <laughs> 
as in a soft voice. Yes. You can, I do. you can see a 15 minute improvised monologue of me doing that. I, it's it's kind of the <laughs> moment in the sanitarium where Mike, where Loomis realizes Michael is is evil. Um, that sounds amazing. Thank mm. you. Yeah, and, you know, not for everyone, but hey, if you're in if you're into Slay ASMR Loomis role play, have I got? I I like that. Pe- <laughs> I think people usually associate ASMR with like. I, I guess like conventionally attractive young women doing, you know, there, there's that like weird, I feel like a lot of people think ASMR is like sexy, which I don't actually think that's the case. So if you mm-hmm. want the most unsexiest ASMR, <laughs> you watch me playing, I even shaved my head to have hair on the sides, like Lewis and all that stuff. Oh, you can wow. Go over wow. There. That's dedication. That's commitment. Yeah. I, had I, know. To, yeah, I had to, I mean, I, I, the, the next day, you did, that a, you did like 10 years ago though. That was like did, a big yeah, deal. That was a, that was a Halloween costume in 2010. And uh, it was funny because I, I filmed these late at night. And so I went to bed forgetting that my hair is like that. And me and Susan <laughs> always walk our dog together in the morning. And we wait, she's like, are you going outside like that? And I'm like, like what? And I'm like, Oh shit. And I, I had to shave the goatee in the, the uh, side thing. But yeah, anyway, so the, yeah, this weekend, well, because like what your neighbor is going to be like, Whoa, is that Donald Pleasance <laughs> yeah. over there? Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I, like some, somehow having more hair than I usually do. Yeah. Made me seem older. I think, I don't know. But, um, yeah. So this weekend I don't, I, I have to decide what movie it is. There aren't, I wanted to shift into like Thanksgiving horror movies, but there mm. aren't a ton of them. I might do, there's a, a watcher slash listener who, um, wants me to color out of space. So I might do that one. I don't mm. know. We'll, we'll yeah. We covered cool. that on my podcast. It was cool. It's a cool movie. I like, yeah, it's I really like a lot of, I think a lot of people are turned off by it, but I, I dug it. It was, like I said, I'm not the biggest Lovecraft fan, but I thought that was a, it was a cool way to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I might do that one. We'll see. And then when Christmas or December hits, I'll, I'll be covering a lot of Christmas themed uh, horror movies. But yeah, uh, look up Slay ASMR. We're, we're small, but growing day by day. So feel free to check us out for some horror ASMR. Well, look, you, you just spent two hours with them. You spent four years with him. <laughs> He's got great voice. Just go go subscribe. It was it youtube.com uh, slash uh, Slay Smart? Yeah. Or, what, 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 let's see. It's uh, uh no, it's got look. Like, I want to say I want to save you, Caffrey. Number. It's got a big number. We got the link. <laughs> we got the link in our bio. So look, if you again, if you're still waiting for your pumpkin spice latte, and <laughs> it, you know, and 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 Jeff behind the counter is still doing it he's doing you know he's you think that maybe it's yours but it actually happens to be katrina mm. who's about two you know two two above you um <laughs> even though you use the the starbucks app and you thought that you're going to get your start your pumpkin spice latte early on look mm. you're still here waiting it's going to be at least a few minutes until they finally get you your sp- pumpkin spice latte you're sitting there you're it's, like I-? do you get do you get paid every time you say pumpkin spice latte by I, I do i do i do i get i get paid from starbucks and also uh caribou coffee and uh no. and pumpkins yeah but look just click in the link we got all the links down there in the bio um anyway look all joking aside that is a wrap on our October festivities. I got to say, it has been a fucking month. Um, I, I am so exhausted. I look like one of the skeletons that we were talking about early on. Um, this has been a month full of tricks and treats and quite frankly, uh, some truly scares for, uh, for, uh, for me. Um, but uh, what, you know, what, what's coming up uh, to close out this hellish year we call 2020, uh, we got a lot. We've got the Green Mile in November, so you got to start reading, even though it's kind of a depressing story. Um, <laughs> we have a special Supernatural episode coming up. I'm looking at you, Jen. Uh, yeah. We're about due for a Soul's Midnight, and let's just say you're going to get one, and it's going to be star-studded. It's pretty cool. 
Uh, very excited about that. Um, brush up on your music history. <laughs> and, uh, you know, look, we got the stand. Weekly <gasps> recaps. If you liked, I've seen a lot of people comment, The Losers Club, I love your book reviews, but I really thought your episode recaps of season one of Castle Rock, which doesn't <laughs> get more niche than, uh, come on. They love that. But you're going to love these because these weekly recaps are going to be fucking insane. I, I mean, just wild. And considering that this is supposed to be my time where I'm relaxing and I'm unplugging and I just sit there and I drink my cocoa, I drink my eggnog, I drink my Valium. I, you know, <laughs> this is supposed to be a time of relaxation, but we're not. We're going to have more anxiety. We're going to have a parable about the pandemic during a pandemic. These episodes are going to be insane. Star studded. I will just say that. Guest studded. Wild. <laughs> so look forward to that for uh, the, you know, the holidays. If you, you, know, you wake up, you celebrate Hanukkah. You wake up, you don't like the gift that you got. You don't like <laughs> Christmas. You, get, you wake up on December 25th and you say, what the fuck is this? I didn't ask for this. <laughs> I didn't shark- get my cha-cha heels like I wanted, mom and dad. I didn't get the cha-cha heels. I didn't get my 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 alien reproduction from Sharper Image. What the hell is going on? Guess what? You got a recap of the stand, and it's going to be a little crazy. And we might uh, we might have a little eggnog while we're doing it. Um. Anyway, look, we got a lot of stuff coming up, and a lot of it's undecided because uh, Randall and I have to have a meeting of the heads to figure out what's going on. Uh, but as always, you can stay tuned. On here on the Barrens or on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Oh my. Uh, it's always can't stop or won't stop with this club. <laughs> Hashtag Miley Cyrus, uh, which is why we're <laughs> always asking you. And I know you're probably thinking, oh God, here they go. Rigmarole. They're going to ask us for reviews. And you know what? You're right. We are. <laughs> we want your, your Brightwood Pennywise clown noses. We give you, we give you ratings for all the books. We've told you we've given five noses to misery. We've given five noses to Pet Cemetery. We've given five noses to Dead Zone. Give us five noses to the Losers Club. You can do it. Because we are your favorite. We are your devoted. We are your only <laughs> Ghostbusters. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> the Losers Club. That is the last Halloween treat for you. Please don't let your pumpkins rot. And as always, we'll be seeing you over long days. And and pleasant pleasant nights. (laughs) All right. See you next Halloween or next week. This has been a bloody disgusting show. Thanks for tuning in. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs>